most intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Knowledge Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and Emiliano, a.k.a. Jive Turkey Nano. What is up, Fight Fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I'm your host, Olin, a.k.a. MMA Anomaly, and with me, as usual, is the co-host with the most, Jive Turkey Nano. How we doing, brother? Here we go. <laughs> doing great, brother. Gobbling away. Thursday, it's Thursday, a.k.a. Friday Junior, brother. So we are, we are thriving, we are jiving, we are ready for this upcoming weekend of violence. Let's go. There is going to be an absolute overload of violence. We are live. Welcome to the chat, Drew. Love to see you here, brother. Uh, we'll let we'll let the best person who's ever said that say it for Ladies you. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Let's go. And as you can see, thank you, Miss Mary, for pointing out in the chat. Me and Nano are repping the meat and potato striker shirts. Shout out, give him a give him a load of the back. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Got the meat and potato fish. Sean Strickland himself. Let's go. You love to see it, baby. Um, happy to be wrapping it. Glad you got your little care package there. Uh, what happened to my hand? I I do this weird thing in my sleep sometimes where I just like drive my fist down and it like torques my my hand. So I'm wearing this so that way I don't continue to do that and continue to mess myself up because I really want to go back to Muay Thai instead of this, you know? Um and, you know, if I go now, it hurts. But I digress. Um, so we have a lot to talk about here, guys. Usually we we like to stick to the UFC. You heard the guy in the intro, you know, and, tip, and sometimes the big boxing card or the occasional big boxing. Well, we have something else. It's not a big boxing card. It's even better. Uh, it's a one championship card, folks, and it is all Muay Thai. Um, let me ask you folks something. Have you ever been sitting at home and wondering to yourself, watching an MMA card. Oh man, why are they grappling? Oh man, why are they in a tie clinch? Or uh, why, why are these guys hugging each other or trying to lay on top of each other? Then sir, ma'am, anything in between, Muay Thai just might be the sport for you. Muay Thai is, is just violence, right? It's just elbows, punches, knees, kicks. They call it the art of eight limbs. One, two, three, four. Five, six are the knees, and then, you know what I'm saying, seven, eight are the shins. Or the feet, depending on if you're hitting the head or the body. But, I digress. Muay Thai is a very badass sport. I'm a big fan of it. Um, and I definitely feel like one fight night 17, again, which is going to be an entire Muay Thai card, it's got some low-key bangers on there. Now, Nano, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here and ask... 
Are there any that you're super stoked on on this one? Absolutely, brother. Appreciate the tap in here. And man, one fight championship, one fight night 17 on Prime Video tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen. I know there might be college basketball or I mean college football. I know there might be uh, some basketball going on. Definitely no UFC going on. So if you like violence, find a way to put it in the rotation there. I know most people have Prime Video nowadays as well, especially if you're a football fan. Thursday nights got us by the grip here like tonight, for example. Uh, so again, stay tuned into one championship on Thursday, <clears throat> brother. In regards to the fights here, there are some bangers. I mean, I think my one prediction is nothing but violence the entire night. But brother, everyone has to stay tuned in. How can you not be excited about this heavyweight Muay Thai World Championship fight? The main card, main event of the evening. Hard not to be jazzed up about that one. They know what they're doing. They save the best for last for a reason, brother. Uh, and we got the giant six foot seven Roman Crickley. Crick- Cricklia, my apologies, getting ahead of myself, uh, versus Alex Roberts. A banger of a matchup. This guy, Cricklia, man, he's no joke. Find out of Ukraine. He was actually the light heavyweight kickboxing champion. So you're going to see a lot of uh, influences from that kickboxing background. Is it going to translate into Muay Thai? Can he be a double uh, champion at light heavyweight and now heavyweight <clears throat> here in one championship? A lot of narratives, brother. A lot, lot riding on this one. You know, I'll be and in a whole different sport. Like he's a kickboxing champion. He's not a Muay Thai champion. I was going to ask you, brother. I mean, maybe you can uh, shine a little light here for the listeners. Maybe what to expect in terms of some of the differences, obviously stylistically, but maybe even some of the rules. I know violence is ahead of us, but what can we expect there, brother? Yeah, I mean, that's a great tag, and I appreciate that. Um, I think the biggest kind of rule difference or rule differences are going to be um, obviously elbows. Um Pretty sure you can't throw elbows in kickboxing. Uh, not not typical kickboxing rules. Uh, and also clinch, right? There's not a whole lot of clinch work that you see in kickboxing, especially compared to Muay Thai. When you're when you're clinching in Muay Thai, you're you're getting that very nice tight clasp like clasped clinch. Hard to say. Um, and then you know you're releasing and launching an elbow in before you lash right back. And it's it's fluid, right? Like you're you're catching these elbows in the face. Sometimes you're hitting the up elbow right from that that clinch. You literally just you can do it right from here, right? Like you don't even have to really let go. You're cross cross fingered, boom. It's it's clockwork, right? It's mechanical. And so someone who if they're not sparring in this way and if they're not used to these types of strong clinch uh or, or this type of strong clinch work, um it could be really tough to adapt to. So, I mean, if we're talking about kind of right off the bat, who am I leaning towards in this fight? Honestly, you know, the or obviously rather, the standout, Cricklia. Yeah, the dude's an absolute beast, right? Roman Cricklia, he's dominated the light heavyweight and heavyweight kickboxing divisions. He's got five consecutive uh, wins, four of them by knockout. He is known as the Ukrainian knockout artist, but... I mean, standing across from him is promotional newcomer, WBC champion, Alex Roberts. And Alex Roberts is someone who has done this before. He has fought in Muay Thai. Um, And, you know, I don't want to say that a dog versus a dog, there's a difference in the breed of dog. But here at the podcast, uh, the No Filter Show, we like them junkyard dogs. And I'm thinking, I don't know, dude. I'm thinking, just maybe, Roberts might have that dog in. Um, I like Crickly in this one. If I'm putting money on it, 
probably putting money on Cracklea. But if I'm putting two units on Cracklea, I'm putting a half unit on Roberts. Um, at the very least. Just because I do feel like he's got a dog's chance in there, and he's definitely got a puncher's chance. The dude's got nuclear power. And I mean, I mean, it's gonna be very interesting first minute and a half, in my opinion, to see how the adapting happens there. I love that, brother. I love that. Yeah. Great uh great entry into this exciting one championship fight and uh quick shout out to Mad Max see you in the chat there brother Eric I see you too Mary great to see you all uh but now back to business yeah man I mean Robin uh quickly uh again he's a big natural athlete 6'6 <laughs> 225 pounds again a, a natural light heavyweight going up to heavyweight here 49 and 7 record and he's really mastered the game of kickboxing over his career and again he's only 32 years old so just just really uh, at the tail end of what you most people would consider the prime of their career. I think that has something to factor in here. And what Roman does a really good job, again, using his size at 6'6", that length and his speed to really frustrate his opponents. And most of the time leads to his victories, as you could tell by that record. Now, prior to his fight with Roman, like we mentioned, he was on an amazing undefeated run at light heavyweight for kickboxing, which they are using the traditional 8 to 10, maybe 12-ounce gloves. The traditional boxing gloves I'm referring to. Yeah. You might see my Punisher ones in the background there. But this Muay Thai heavyweight championship is going to be using traditional four ounce, uh, the UFC MMA style gloves, the one that we've grown to love over the years. So that uh, is going to make a big difference here, <clears throat> along with the additional violence, additional striking, the clinching, which, if I'm being honest, that when the more you watch Roman's highlights on YouTube, you see a good, well-rounded game. He actually does have some experience in Muay Thai with the smaller gloves, and he has shown, because he's so long, he's big, he's strong. A little rhyme there. Um, but he's got a really good Muay Thai clinch for not being the natural Muay Thai fighter. So, in my opinion, he's a force to be reckoned with, brother. Really fun, big, flashy guy. Every time he gets hit, he kind of eats it a little bit, almost... Like, like like a Hulk-like aspect to him where he gets a little bit stronger each time he gets hit and damaged out there. He's got a hell of a chin. So I'm really excited to see what he's got. Alex Roberts, like you said, brother, any underdog, anybody that's a junkyard dog like that always has a fighter chance. And shout out Matt Max, too. You know, I was able to hop into his Twitch. And yeah, it's always a good thing to hedge your bets, um, especially in the game of you in fighting when anyone has a puncher's chance. So maybe you do want to hedge it a little bit. I'm heavy favoring Roman here. Don't get it twisted. But Alex Roberts does have more experience as a just true Muay Thai practitioner. Um, but he, just far less experience overall. I think that is the one trade-off there is Octagon or just fighting experience is fighting experience, whether it's kickboxing or Muay Thai. Obviously, some of the skills differ or vary some of those tools that you use. But when you're that good at as Roman, it's like it doesn't matter, man. You're going to find a way to to poke holes in Alex's game. And that's really what you find in some of his Muay Thai fights up to this point. Although he does have good movement, you're not seeing a lot of lateral movement from Alex Roberts. Tends to keep his sure. head on the center line, just kind of like throw his head back, which in Muay Thai, you are typically seeing more kicks. So it's, that's kind of a more typical defense, but he's on the center line and you're seeing jabs, you're seeing straight shots right down the pipe that are landed on him. And you can't let that happen too, too much with uh, a Roman quickly in front of you. And like I said, that first minute and a half is going to be a, a big indicator. <clears throat> can he get out of there? Can he show some signs 
uh, of the Muay Thai kind of pedigree. I'm going to lean the more violent fighter here, man. I'm going to lean Roman quickly for show. But it's going to be a fun card, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All these fighters are dogs. You're going to see nothing but high-level striking. And I truly, like, don't know why it's not more of a mainstream sport, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, this, if you like UFC, if you like high-level striking, and, and you know, maybe you're not a Mad Max and, and you don't necessarily love watching the ground game, hey, this is a sport that is made for you. And it's finally on Prime Video on Amazon. Throw it on. Let us know what you think. Um, but you're going to see some great fights for show. Give it up for Nana with that breakdown. Love to see that. You love to hear that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, man. I don't understand why Muay Thai isn't a larger sport with a, a much larger fan base and following, for that matter. Um, but, you know, that, that being said, I do feel like Christmas may have came a little bit early here, folks. Uh, this is going to be a hell of a card. There's going to be just striker's delight here, front and center. And, I mean, moving right into the next one. I mean, we started off at the main event, which is the opposite of how we do everything else here on the No Filter Show. Um, so we'll just keep going straight down. We got Smoking Joe Natawat coming in against Luke Lassay. Nano, do you have any thoughts on this one, or do you want me to take the lead on it? Still catch my breath, but uh, I'll, I'll let you take the lead here and I'll throw my two cents in. <laughs> Sounds good, my guy. So um, I'm going to go ahead and start off with this. Smoking Joe Nottoway, I'm going to address the elephant in the room as I usually like to, folks. He's on a three-fight skid, okay? Um, but you know I'm a big fan of these guys with with uh, you know the name Joe because then we can call him Smoking Joe. Smoking Joe Nottoway, that three-fight losing skid can be quite a bit misleading and just darn right deceptive to the uneducated eye. I'm going to tell you why. Now, if you take a deeper look at that, those three losses include losses to two kickboxing legends, uh, not one, but two top-tier kickboxing talents in Taiwan Chi and Chingiz Alazov, uh, which I knew I was going to butcher and stutter on. So I apologize, uh, Chingiz Alazov. Now, the other of the third loss uh, was a very like razor-thin Muay Thai decision loss to Jamal Yusupov, who, again, is an absolute beast. So, I mean, it's to, to put it into, if you've only ever watched the UFC, to put it into that kind of perspective, it's like going out there and losing at Bantamweight to Davis and Figueredo this last weekend, right? Like, the guy looked like an absolute world breaker, and you know he's going to be a problem for every single person, so a loss to him really isn't that bad, right? It's like the least of evils that you can get. If you're going to take a loss, take a loss from someone that talented and... Um, just downright scary. So the dude is an absolute beast. Meanwhile, Luke Lassay is making his promotional debut for one championship. And I mean, he's got a fair amount of hype surrounding him. He's got the skills though, to put the entire division on notice. He's overcome adversity. He's, you know, been put in the, the line of fire numerous times, but this American is an absolute beast. Um, and now he has to travel to Thailand to face a Thai fighter. So it's it's a tough night for the kid. It's possibly more than he uh, wanted in, in his debut for one championship. As much as I, I really want to get behind Luke Lassay, the American, it's hard to when he's going against Smoke and Joe Nottawood. I'm, I'm putting my bank on Nottawood here. It's a great analysis, brother. I'm going to agree with you. And point being, this guy... Uh, smoking Joe Natawat has been dis uh, fighting Muay Thai since he's been 10 years old 
I think one thing I appreciate about one championship is they do have a lot of great information handy right on their website and um, gives you a, a great way to understand the fighter and to actually buy into the story themselves. Right? There's a narrative. There's someone behind the scenes here in the octagon that makes their way in there. And, you know, although they look like machines, they're, they're humans, right? Uh, and all things considered, this is someone that's been a, a two-division Muay Thai champion, very decorated, although he's a little bit older, you know, at 34 years old, which isn't old in the grand scheme, but just in terms of a Muay Thai years and, again, seven years older than his opponent, Luke the Chef Lessie, who, again, coming from the States, as much as I want to root for the hometown kid and, and see him do well, you know the best is yet to come for him at that age and at this stage in his career. You're going against Smoking Joe here. I mean... You don't get that name by no reason. The dude that he usually faces, he's smoking them. Um, yes, he's had an up and down career here in one uh, one championship. But that's the name of the game, baby. I mean, this is a violent sport. It's as dirty and and violent as it can get. So I don't really knock those losses um, or those learning lessons, I should say. We like to say around here. Uh, but I do think all things considered, I'm going to take the story behind the more decorated, the more seasoned, grizzled vet, uh, Smoking Joe here for sure. Absolutely love that. Um, hopefully I'm coming in a little bit crispier now. Did not realize I had the wrong mic selected in my uh, my audio settings here. Amateur hour, folks. Definitely apologize for that one. But we are back and we are live and we are ready to go and continue the show. So, um, again, this all Muay Thai card from one championship is an absolute banger in my opinion um i think it's it's gonna be just award-winning fight after award-winning fight guys um again most of these names on this card are not gonna be the most household names in the world um but i still think you should definitely tune in right felipe lobo versus uh sima patch fairtex like anybody who has the name fairtex come on like one of the best brands of Muay Thai gear in the world, and that's in their name. Bit scary. Just throwing out a, an obvious uh, kind of conclusion there, folks. Look, I think that's that's just got fireworks written all over it. Um, again, I'm taking Simon Patch Fairtex on that one, in case you didn't notice. Um, and the next one, we got Dmitry Menshikov coming in against Mohsin. Shafi and again I mean this this is another one where it's really either person's match but I, I think Shafi gets it done um we could drag you through the mud here and go through the whole one championship card we're not gonna do that what we will say is make sure you watch it it's gonna be an incredible card um and it's happening very very soon folks uh so make sure you tune in don't miss it what time does it start? Does it say here? Uh, main card starts at 8 p.m. Eastern time on Amazon Prime. There we go. Six for me, five for you. There we go, baby. Uh, so, yeah, we will be there. Uh, well, virtually on our TV screens, glued to it and ready to watch. Um, I personally can't wait for it. I will actually be honest with you, folks. I'm not going to be watching the whole thing live. Uh, I will be coming back and watching a lot of it because... Randomly saw an ad last night. Shout out to Instagram uh, Impulse ads. And I'll be going to see a comedian, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, Ron Ooh. Funches is going to be in town. And, Let's uh, go. Yeah, Ron Funches is a pretty funny guy. So uh, he does a lot of voices on a lot of 
like animated shows that we watch. So like Bob's Burgers, Harley Quinn, stuff like that. So super excited to go watch that guy. Um, and the tickets were incredibly fairly priced. So yeah, Funches nice. is hilarious, as Mad Max said in the chat. Yeah, boy. So uh, super excited about that one. And you know, I'll be catching the one fights right after we get home and right before. Um, moving into the next topic here, before we get into the UFC again, we have a couple things to go over here, guys. So we wanted to start off with one and then jump into this PFL Dublin card. My goodness. Um, so there is a PFL Dublin event. I don't know if you guys know, uh, but it's happening. It's a pretty solid card. It's part of the PFL Europe season. So PFL has a regular American season. They have a Europe season as well. And uh, these folks are going to get a million dollars as well, to my knowledge. So pretty solid stuff. That fight is also happening, or these fights are also happening tomorrow in Dublin. Um, again, a lot of violence this weekend, folks. A lot of really, really fun fights to look forward to. We're not going to go through every fight on this. Heck, we're not even going to go through like three fights on this. Um, actually, yeah, we'll probably go through exactly three fights on this. But uh, we're not going to drag you through the whole card. It's a pretty... like full card but honestly like there's an amateur flyweight fight on this card there's a handful of fights that like aren't really for any standings they're just kind of filler fights so i stand with what i said previously pfl has too many entities pfl europe pfl regular season pfl playoffs pfl championships pfl super fight series put them all into one that's one of the things that the UFC has done extremely well. They and they have just the one really strong entity, and that makes sense. That works. We should do that. So um, PFL, please jump on board with that. Just have one one season with people from all around the world. Um, and if you're going to have like PFL Dublin, honestly, why is Tom Breeze on there? I think that guy's from like Canada. <laughs> it's a fair, but. Point. You know, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know if you're going to yeah. like split it, split it from like every different region. Right. Like, I don't know. It just feels like kind of a hodgepodge of a card, in my opinion. Um, you have people on that card from Brazil. You, like it's just there's, there's just a lot going on. The one that I really did want to talk about here uh, is and I don't we don't need to talk about the fight, but um, McGrillen Evans versus Maya. So it's a bantamweight bout in the PFL European series. Again, we're not going to break down. Um, we're not going to break down the entirety of this fight or even the fight itself. I did see the weigh-ins, however, and it made me kind of question what your thoughts were on the amount of disrespect that we've seen at weigh-ins recently and people getting physical with each other at weigh-ins recently because McGrillen Evans uh, was like walking forward and, and talking smack, hands down. And his opponent, Maya, open hand slapped him across the face. And they had to be separated by the PFL, like uh, by Dan Hardy, actually. Dan, oh, jeez. And that, wow, there was no other that response. Today. No other fights were thrown or anything. I wish I, I wish I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess my initial thoughts, it feels I'll like... I'll let you give your thoughts, and I'll try and pull up that video for the viewers. Yeah, it feels like we've kind of gone away from the, like, blatant disrespect or kind of macho, like, I'm going to try to fight you outside of the ring 
kind of feel. I feel like that was really big maybe 10, 15 years ago and it slowly died off. Obviously, there's all hey Mouse with Alls. Obviously, there's, you know, I mean, a John, John Jones, DC, you know, but even that was over 10 years ago, right? Or just about. So all things considered, uh, I feel like there's no place for it. it. It frustrates me personally. I mean, I love getting angry and I can get as jived up as the next guy. You know, I'm just a draft turkey over here, but I don't think it's a good look, especially at that stage. I mean, I don't know. Even even if you're a Conor McGregor, I mean, it, there's not really a place for being physical, slapping or spitting or anything. That's just, or you know, even crossing those lines of you know talking about mothers. I mean, talking about family or children. You know, there's like there's some of the religion or who you know. There's there's certain lines you just don't want to cross, and I think I'm okay with that. I think it's mixed martial arts, and what is one of the fundamentals about martial arts is it's about respect. It's about humility. It's about competition, but you know, also respect in your opponent in both, you know, uh, win or defeat victory or defeat. So I'll, I'll hand it back to you, brother. I mean, I, I, again, I just don't think there's a place for it. That's frustrating. He should probably get fined or something, maybe lose some of your purse because that's, that's assault brother. Um, it does add a little juice, I will say. Maybe I'll want to watch Great that Great Billy now. Madison reference. Is that Billy Madison? <laughs> I think so. That's a soul, brother. Yeah. That's a soul, brother. <laughs> All right. So PFL officially posted this. This is from their Twitter here. Um, let me just do go not ahead own and it. set this up. We definitely don't own this. We definitely don't own this. Let me just go ahead and shout out PFL. Share screen. Definitely shout out PFL. Help us All right, help here we you. go, folks. I mean, I wonder what he's saying. Nothing too crazy. He's all. Oh, oh. I'm going to say nothing. He going to say nothing. He going to say nothing. He went to put his head up against his, I guess. Yeah, he went, he went to drive forward with his head. You <laughs> kicked him. Dan Hardy. <laughs> he looks so calm. So, and then he's wearing yeah. an all glory to God shirt. Okay. I mean, yeah. Could have showed a little more restraint. <laughs> Unless that was the power of him compelling you. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's unfortunate. Stuff. It adds a little juice. It adds a little juice. I'll be honest. So that was, that was fun. That was. It does. It does. It makes me want to watch the fight. Taste. Yeah, not in the worst of taste. Because again, it was. It, it, you could see the escalation happen, but uh, yeah, yeah, you don't love to see it. That won't fly in the UFC. I tell you that much. Dan is not going to see that. Be like I'm going to sign him up. It's like no, that's that shit doesn't happen around here. So yeah, no, not a chance, bro. There's no chance that Dana's okay with that. There's no chance that Dana allows that kind of stuff. Like. Yeah, I just I don't feel like that would fly. And if you're the um, PFL, I mean, regardless, okay, we're the professional fighting league here. Let's 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 have let's try to you know professional operate professional. As some sort of yeah professional here. Let's try and act professional, folks. Let's try and act professional here. Um, so we'll go ahead and jump into the the next fight that I actually did want to break down. Thanks for your for breaking that down for me. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, and I completely agree. I think the main the main pillars of mixed martial arts, or rather, the main pillar of mixed martial arts, it starts with with respect, right? And um, if you're not showing respect to, you know, yourself and your opponent, then what are you doing here? You're definitely not doing martial arts. Um, you're just learning how to fight and being a bully. So don't love that. Um, what I do love, though, and something I am looking forward to is 
this young woman who's fighting who's fighting out of a Manchester top team, which I didn't even know was a thing. Um, so yeah, she fights out of Manchester top team slash American top team, and her name is Dangerous Dakota DeChiva. She's an absolute beast, and she's coming in here against a very game Valentina Scatizzi. Um, Scatizzi has a one and zero record. In 2023 in PFL, a career record of two and one. So not a ton of experience, to be completely honest. Now, standing across from her is someone in Dakota Tativa who has a two and 0 2023 PFL record alone and a career record of nine and oh. Like she's undefeated. She's an absolute beast. Um, by the way, only one of those nine wins has gone by way of decision. Um, seven of them were KOs slash TKOs. One of them was a submission win. So you gotta think that this is just going to be not another walk in the park for her, but another probably solid day at the office. Yeah, brother, I agree. Um, Dakota, I mean, just honestly has all the, has that it factor. I mean, has everything you need, all the tools, has the looks, a great smile, um, a great team around her. Someone you want to root for. Yeah, all things considered, I, I'm really excited for what's next for her and for her to showcase her skill set. The spinning back fists, the spinning kicks. Uh, yeah, this is a violent game, and, and she's really good at being violent, and she makes it look pretty out there. So um, she's going to have a workout out for her, Valentina. Scatizzi uh, uh, will not be easy to get rid of in there. She's an Italian, and she's going to be tough. They don't mess around. So it's going to be a fun fight, but uh, Dakota definitely has that it factor, and she has all the makings of someone that um, at only 24 years young, Sky's the limit for her. And I think she'll win. Yeah, too. I completely agree. I, I, I do. I do think that she's going to win. Love that turkey take there. Um, man, I just I think this is going to be a really tough fight for uh, not for Dakota. I think it'll, it'll be it, it won't be the easiest fight Dakota's had because, I mean, even though her opponent has only had three professional fights, she did have two amateur bouts, which she went to and oh, got the rear naked choke and one unanimous decision in the other. But again, that being said, if you look at Dakota Tachiva, like she had five amateur bouts. One of them got canceled, but the other four she won. Um, she got a KO in round two. She got a rear naked choke in round one, and she got two decisions. So it, it's tough. I mean, this this chick is really good. She's really strong. And I mean, the worst thing about her is the fact that she trains at a really good, respectable gym. Like we're talking about the same place that Dustin Poirier trains. We're talking about the same place that Colby Covington trained when he was really good. Um, basically, like, killer's row. These are the people that train at ATT. And um, MTT, I guess, as well. So, I'm super stoked to see her fight. She's a Muay Thai-style fighter, so she's very exciting. Um, I mean, she fit right in over there across the stream on the one card, for sure. But instead, she's going to be over here in PFL, probably making a solid name for herself and fighting her way into a million-dollar threshold. Um, I mean, this is the women's flyweight championship, the PFL Europe card. So if it's the same rule set, this lady's probably likely to get a million dollars here. And on the other side of her is someone who could win her fourth fight and get a million dollar paycheck, which is insane. Just insane. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, that's life changing. That's life changing right there. It truly is. Um, I mean, to be honest, like this, this is a pretty solid card as far as talent, as far as name value and and fighters that you guys are going to like and, and that are going to resonate with you as far as namesake, 
I think that's probably it, folks. Like, you know Tom Breeze because he was a UFC fighter, but even then, like, he was in the first EA UFC game. I think he was in, like, maybe Undisputed 3 before that. He's, he's an old-style fighter. So we'll probably go ahead and jump right on into the UFC card unless uh, the turkey here has any objections. <laughs> Let's keep it gobbling, baby. we got a lot of good fights to cover. Let's go, folks. Let's go. So if that's the case, we're going to jump right on into the UFC. Uh, we're going to jump on into the undercard here, starting with the prelims. This is a pretty stacked fight card, especially for a free one. Um, I feel like we've said this a couple times, especially towards the end of the year. UFC has really been doing us really, really nice, especially with the break that we had. Um, every time we have one of those breaks, I feel like the cards right before and right after are fairly stacked. Um, even the free ones. This is definitely one of those that followed suit. First fight of the night is going to be Ryan Dos Santos coming in against Talita Alencar. Um, I don't necessarily think we have to do a ton of breaking down on this one. Uh, we have a 28-year-old coming in against a 33-year-old. The 33-year-old is giving up one inch in height, and uh, she's giving up about three and a half inches in reach. I think that this is probably Ryan Dos Santos' fight to lose. She's also got more than three times the amount of experience in wins, let alone fights. She's got five times the experience in total fight uh, experience. So I, I truly think that Ryan Dos Santos is definitely going to be the one to to take this one. Um, if I'm putting money on it, definitely putting money on this one. Um, Nano, what, what are your thoughts on this one? If you have any. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think this is Ryan, uh, Amanda Santos's fight to lose at 28 years old, 14 and six, uh, two KOs, eight subs under her belt. Um, she is coming in with a fight, three fight win streak. Although none of them are in the UFC, this will be her debut. So very exciting to see that. Always a question mark though as well. You never really know. Um, but that being said, she is going up against Talita Allen Carr, 33 years old, four and zero and one with three subs. Might be a specialist on the ground there. So that is something to look out for. Uh, and she is getting another chance after having a draw on the Dana White Contender Series. So in a way, making her UFC debut as well. I think all things considered, I, I always like leaning the younger fighter. Even just when you turn on the tape, Ryan looks really impressive throwing her hands, putting things together. Really good footwork, really good movement. That's what really impressed me. Almost like a thug rose back in the day. Just really lighting your feet and just finding uh, her openings and, and choosing her her uh, her strikes very carefully, very strategically. So give me Ryan Amanda Dos Santos. Love to hear it, baby. We are aligned. We are aligned. We love to hear that. Uh, it's a rare occasion, folks. We'll go ahead and jump right into the next one. We got a standout phenom in Tatsuro Tayira coming in against a game. Carlos Hernandez. Nano, take the lead on this, my guy. Let's go. Uh, yeah, brother. Another standout, a young up-and-comer uh, that I feel like we've talked about in the past, but crazy to think he's still only 23 years old. Tatsuro Tyra is who I'm talking about here. 14-0, 3KO, 7 submissions on his name. That's 10 finishes out of his 14 fights, ladies and gentlemen. Dude finds a way to get it done. Uh, and he's a heavy favorite here. That can be scary. You know, I know sometimes you want to try to chase the underdogs and think that Vegas is, is doing something wrong, but uh, he's a heavy dog for a reason. And it's because of how well-rounded he's been able to um, showcase himself being, again, at such a young age he's been proven to be a legitimate prospect here and someone we'll probably be talking about for years to come um but again he, he's fine it's a ufc these are all professionals he's going up against a, a stud carlos hernandez at 30 years old nine and two record with four subs under his own belt um i just i just don't see 
that many scenarios where he's going to be able to outperform Tatsuro on the ground. And like all fights start is on the feet. And Tatsuro has some heavy hands and he's very fast and he's very crafty when it comes to his striking capabilities. So I don't know how Carlos is going to be able to withstand 15 minutes of this. It may not even get to that point. Um, Tatsuro may be really trying to keep that active uh, finish, uh, the high level of uh, finishing rate. He's probably going to want to keep that up. So I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to find another submission here. Although, again, Carlos does have four submissions of his own. So we could see some really good scrambles there on the ground. Maybe Mad Max or some of our uh, Jujitsu specialists on the ground can maybe elaborate more on what they can potentially see there. But otherwise, give me Tatsuro. All day, Defending baby. All day. Baby. I'm taking Tatsuro Tairo on this one. Give me that guy all day. He's a very, very heavy favorite. Um, he's a minus 575 here. I, I honestly think that the best way to go here is to just either bet him in a parlay that you're confident in. Um, or, I mean, if you don't really want to make a lot of money, like you're not going to make a lot of money, right? Like, you're, yeah. Yeah, might be better odds <laughs> maybe if you do like how we like to do our split bet of um, Tatsuro Tyra by submission or TKO KO. Maybe if you're really confident yeah. he's going to find that finish, maybe just hedge it a little bit there, get a little bit better odds and still parlay it for sure. But that's the lock of the parlay, faux show. That's definitely one of the locks of the parlay there uh, is Tetsuro Taira. Moving into the next one, we have a... a I mean... Uh, or I didn't even really break this one down. Tetsuro Taira, guys. He is a standout phenom. He is someone who just can do it all, right? He is undefeated, 14-0. and 0. Um, the, the guy is fighting out of Japan. He's an absolute monster. And... He's somebody that I feel like a lot of cappers and betters want to see fail and want to see lose and truly think is maybe a fraud and could lose. But I'm I'm not in that boat. I'm not subscribing to that newsletter, folks. I simply don't think that is the case. Um, when it comes to Tatsuro Taira, I, I think that he has all the skills that he needs to get the, to get it done against Carlos Hernandez. Carlos Hernandez is someone who is very game. He's very strong. Um, has a solid enough gas tank, but he's also someone that hasn't really to Tatsuro Taira. Um, he's had just a, a very small handful of UFC fights. Uh, Victor Altamirano, Denise Bandar are his only two wins in the UFC. Other than that, he lost to Alan Nascimento, and he did get a win on Dana White's Contender Series over Daniel Barrez. But again, this guy has not fought anybody at the caliber of Tatsuro Taira. Um, I mean, he did fight somebody named Matt Brown, but it was not Matt the Immortal Brown, right? It was a different Matt Brown. Different, so different. don't don't get it twisted, folks. Meanwhile, the guy standing across from him, Tatsuro Taira, he's fought a handful of people in the UFC too, but he hasn't lost yet. He's fought CJ Vergara. He's fought in Carlos Candelario, uh, Jesus Santos Aguilar, Edgar Chayrez, which I thought he was going to have a lot more trouble with than he actually ended up having. So... In this fight, I truly think the standout um, fighting out of Peraistra Okinawa organization. I think that's the gem that he trains out of. So, and I'm sure I butchered it, but that's okay. That's who my money's on. I think he is the lock of the night. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a bigger lock of the night on this card, but we'll get into that later and make sure I'm, uh, I'm being rightful on this. Moving into the next one, we got Luana Santos coming in against Stephanie Egger. 
This one is probably going to be a low-key banger. You got Stephanie Egger coming off of a loss. Luana Santos coming off of a big win here. Um, it's Brazil versus Switzerland, folks. Uh, if I had to bet on this one, this I mean, this is a tough, tough fight, right? Because it's happening at, at women's bantamweight. And Luana Santos, I believe, typically fights at 126. Um, or 125, sorry. She usually weighs in like at the one-pound cutoff. But... This fight taking place at the, the higher weight class here, it has me a little bit worried. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, man. This one uh, could be a tough one, could be a scary one. But at the same time, Luana Santos is is game. She's a very wily opponent. She's very smart in there, uh, able to get things like key lock submissions and things like that. Uh, and in her last fight, she got that nice little TKO win. Juliana Killer Miller in the very first round, just three minutes and 41 seconds in. So it's hard to bet against her, man. It is hard to bet against her. But Stephanie Egger standing across from her. She's an absolute beast. Um, and I mean, they're the same exact height. They have a fairly similar build. And Stephanie Egger is just absolute beast when it comes to the uh the takedowns however again luana santos has 100 percent takedown defense in the ufc so is stephanie Egger able to take her down and if she is is she able to keep her there and control her nano what do you think i like that breakdown brother definitely some good things to keep an eye on in this matchup like i said low-key banger alert for sure keep saying that tonight i don't know why it's stuck it's stuck like lou but um anyways Luana Santos is where I'm leaning here. 23 years old, 6-1 and one record, 1 KO, which she's coming off of with three submissions as well. Uh, and all things considered, Luana is a, a high-paced volume fighter, in my opinion. Uh, and I think that will be her path to victory here is if she can apply the pressure, if she can get Stephanie Egger to be fighting on her back foot, tire her out a little bit quicker. Again, she is a little bit older as well. So that being Stephanie Egger at 35 years old. Luana's 23. That is a 12-year difference. Who knows? Maybe Stephanie Egger has some of that angry mom energy in, in her. Um, you know, with an 8-4 and four record, three KOs, four subs. Equally game when it comes to the skill set on the ground. But, but I just... I, and I did notice the weight as well. Like, Stephanie's listed at 135. Luana's listed at 126 for whatever reason. Maybe she's a tweener. But they are the same height, but they wear the weight a bit different. And, you know, Stephanie does have a little bit more of that base, a little bit more of that dump truck-esque body type. Uh, but Luana Santos, man, you know we like our girls with speed. You know we like uh, we like to say that speed kills. And I do think that's how she's going to find a path to victory here is the way she's able to chain, um, just put together really nice combinations with accuracy and with purpose. I mean, they, they tend to put uh, women out, you know, and... I think that's what we're going to see again here. She's only 23 years young. It's crazy to say that. Maybe the strength, maybe the you know stamina can be things to think about here. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mad Max, for uh, you know comment, comment, commenting on my vocabulary tonight. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, and oddly enough, Luana averages 17 strikes per uh, landed per minute. I feel like that's maybe just. Due to not a lot of experience in the UFC, it's probably just a weighted stat at this point. But um, I wouldn't want to be on the other end of those 17 punches. So give me Luana. Bye-bye decisions. It's going to be a tough matchup for her. Not an easy, not an easy opponent by any means. Oh, I can see the lips moving. 
but not not the words there we go we're back there folks we we're back the double mute the elusive double mute um so i i was saying here uh at the at the whim of my fucking technology here that's working against me obviously um so i was saying i think you're dead on here i think you hit the uh the nail on the head here nano um it's it's gonna be a tough matchup not gonna be an easy fought win for her but i got luana dump truck-esque uh in this one i think she's gonna get it done in the santos way and uh that way is gonna be the way of speed folks she's gonna come out there and she's gonna be too fast um too slick and uh too damn pretty as muhammad ali would say you know um it's just that is what it is right uh luana santos is a very very fast striker and her significant strikes landed per minute is just insane 17.1 significant strikes landed per minute that is wild okay to put that into perspective standing across from her her opponent has less than two 17 to 1.93 um there's a huge deficit in volume velocity um in veracity so i mean like come on folks i just think luana gets this one done um and honestly the fact that luana is only a minus 155 in this one i like those odds i like those odds a lot do i like them enough to parlay her with anything probably not but at the same time i don't think it's a bad idea to put like maybe a unit on her uh i think she might be a solid play to win that unit but again i, I wouldn't want her to blow a parlay that i'm confident in um one that i can make far more solid money on so i'll skip that one on the bet nano would you would you put any heat on her like you said, maybe uni, half a uni, and I don't think I put her in a parlay. Uh, when it comes to you know women's mixed martial arts, and we're talking about unranked fighters here, I mean, really, there's so many unknowns. It's hard to predict. So I, I would probably steer clear of of this one in terms of parlays. But I do like Luana Santos straight up um, at minus one fifty five. I would take that all day. Yeah, I think the straight up bet, the money line on that is the the definitive way to go. Um, this next fight is probably, if not the one I'm most excited about, it's definitely top three for me. Um, so we got Steve Garcia coming in against Melky Zal Costa. Feels like deja vu. Feel like we may or may not have already talked about this one. I don't know. Can you can you help me out here? Have we ever gone over this? One? I mean, yeah. Oddly enough, the notes for this fight just appeared under my. Uh, you know, Rolodex for this card somehow. So yeah, I think it was Crazy. deja vu or maybe we did a little Kang universe traveling here, went back in time, a little Loki time jumping, maybe a little time lapse. Um, but no, this is an exciting one. I mean, this can definitely be potential fight of the night Two absolutely violent fighters going out there and they're going to leave it all on the line. I'm surprised to see uh, Mel Kizael at a minus 275 favorite. That does feel a bit heavy here, man. Steve yeah. Garcia is a dog. It's a dog, yeah. brother. I mean, Minus two sixty-five favorites, big. That's big. I think it's gonna be much closer than that. That that might be one of the odds that I'm um intrigued by. It feels a little bit a little bit of a trap to me. You know, I, I wouldn't mind maybe chasing my under dog here in a Steve Garcia just because of the odds. You know, maybe sprinkle a uni or two there. Um, but man, this is this is gonna be a really fun fight, ladies and gentlemen. I will say that the two indicators that make me lean Steve Garcia here is although he lands one strike less than Mel, Mel Kizael does per minute per fight. Um, he is more accurate by 15%. Now 
I like to look at that as, hey, he's more purposeful with his shots. He, he's not trying to pepper you and and kill you with a thousand cuts. He's gonna be, he's gonna want to take your head off with everything that he's throwing. So I like that a little bit more here, and I like that um, in terms of stylistically looking at someone that like Costa. I mean, he he wants to get in a firefight. He's gonna be trying to march him down. Maybe play a little bully ball. He knows he's the favorite. It's in his backyard. Steve Garcia is not gonna care, man. He's gonna go militant on him. He's gonna dig deep. He's improved to be the more hungry junkyard dog. I think he's going to find a way to win, man. This is a true toss-up to me. But because of the odds, I, I might favor y'all to consider. Let me throw him sprinkling a uni on little Steve Garcia here. What do you think, brother? I know you're right about it. Um, I feel like I've had this conversation before, and I feel like I'm going to have this conversation again, folks. Um, I'm, but I have, to, I have to change it up a little bit. I can't just say I've already had this conversation, so I'll just tell you I'm going Steve Garcia again. Um that being said, I'm definitely going Steve Garcia again here, folks. But let me tell you why. Uh, Mel Kizel Costa is someone that I'm very excited to watch in the UFC. However, I don't think this is the best matchup for him. Uh, you see, Melk's biggest asset, in my opinion, is his ability to last. His last ability, his durability, his toughness, right? If if we're talking like old school video game stats, he'd have like maxed out toughness, okay? Um, but technical ability, not necessarily his best strong suit, but that's okay. It's not the strongest suit of his opponent either. But when we're talking about Steve Garcia, Steve Garcia is someone who just is incredibly game uh, in every aspect of this sport, folks. And he's someone who's fought, in my opinion, uh, some pretty solid folks, right? Like Sean Woodson, absolute beast. Um, Shailen Nordenbeck, dude's an absolute beast. That uppercut to the body was, abs- was just disgusting, folks. Um, Chase Hooper, again, very game wily opponent, solid ground game. Um, Luis Pena, violent Bob Ross. Come on, Chepe Menescal. That dude's a freaking absolute monster who made his way to the UFC after that fight. Uh, that he got beat by Steve Garcia in. So, I mean, the dude's fought some pretty solid names, in my opinion. And I, I truly think that that is what is going to be the big differentiator here. The fact that he's been in these dog fights and he's been hit hard and he's continued to move forward. And Melkizal's done the same thing. I like Melk. That's one of the things I like most about Melk. But we've seen him lose decisions. We've seen him lose seven, uh, or sorry, three decisions. We've seen him lose by submission twice. We've seen him lose by KO twice. Uh, and his biggest win in the UFC is over Austin Lingo. Um, Again, Austin Lingo is someone who has not had the best UFC run. He's got wins over Jacob Kilburn and Luis Saldana and losses to Nate Landwehr, um, Melchizel Costa, as I said, and Yusef Zalal. That's it. There's only fights in the UFC. So that's Melk's only win in the UFC, and that makes me worry. Um, again, with that being said, Melk does have more fights under his, under his uh, belt as far as a professional fighter. I just think Steve is a bad matchup for him. Low sense of gravity, an absolute dog when it comes to throwing these shots. Um, 56% significant strike percentage landed versus 45 across from him. Uh, He typically absorbs more per minute, which usually I'd say is a negative thing. But in this case, I think it's it's a proven factor for him that he's tough. And he's built like a rock. He, He will take those shots and stay in every minute of that fight. Um, Again, higher defense goes to Melk, but 
I just truly think that the odds makers may have gotten this one wrong. And that's why I'm taking Steve Garcia. Probably going to throw that young man on a parlay and take a solo bet on him. I like it. I like it. That sounds spicy. That's what we do around here. No filter, baby. Gritty Garcia, baby. Love that in the chat from Mad Max Meridian. Man, that should be his nickname. Steve Gritty Garcia. Absolutely love that. That's got a great ring Um, to it. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? So we're going to go ahead and keep on moving it through here. We got uh, Hyunsung Park coming in against Shannon Ross. If you want to move past this one, I'm happy to move past this one. If you want to dwell on it, I'm happy to dwell on it. Nah, I mean, short and sweet, man. I mean, all I had to say was Shannon Ross uh, has lost three in a row, four out of his last five. Really might be on his way out here. Probably just going to lean Hyun Sung Park, 28 years old, 8 no, three KOs, four subs. Solid fighter, man. I think it's going to be one-sided traffic, yeah. That's all I got to say about that one. We keep it moving because we got some really great fights to cover. Absolutely, freaking Lily. I just want to echo what you said. Shannon Gross coming off of a three-fight skid here. Uh, it's tough to see. Fighting out of Australia, the dude is a beast. I mean, he's he's chiseled. He's got a nice nice beard on him. You know what I mean? He's a good-looking guy. Uh, but, man, he's, he's pretty close to a 500 fighter right now, standing at 13-8. and eight. I mean, he has as many losses as his opponent has fights, um, and all of his opponent's fights are wins. So, man... Man, oh, man. He's even um, somehow more of a favorite than Tatsuro at minus 650, according to ESPN. So that's that's how heavy we're talking here. That is pretty tough. I mean, uh, let's let's go to the chat here real quick. Mad Max Meridian says, with a nickname like that, he deserves an L. Um, his nickname is the Turkish Delight. Got to agree. <laughs> Not a great nickname. Yeah, you'd be better <laughs> looking to have that kind of name. Come on, brother. Or a better I mean, record, at least. <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I mean, at, at least after this fight, he'll have a little peace of mind. Um, that was just a really, really bad joke there. Because uh, you may not know this, but Hyung Sung Park's nickname is uh, Peace of Mind. Now you know. So uh, we got the bad jokes here all day, folks. I am going with that young man. Uh, Hyun Sung Peace of Mind Park. Hyun Sung Peace of Mind Park. That is actually really fun to say. Uh, I think he gets it done probably by submission um yeah i truly think he gets it done by submission average fight time is six minutes and 44 seconds his opponent's average fight time is three minutes 33 seconds i think average bet to take probably the under two and a half here um probably the safest bet to take let's see what those odds look like um So we got Shannon Ross and Park Hyung Sung. The under is not great odds either. Everyone else sees what I see, uh, which means it's minus 400. Not a good look. Ooh. Well, good times. We're not going to take that. Stay away from that one. Yeah, stay away from that one. Don't love those odds. uh, And it's not a 100% guarantee. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I think those guys are gonna finish. Like I think it's definitely gonna be a finish fight, but I don't want to be sweating on it, and it's it's not worth it for those odds. Not even a little bit. Not even a bit. All right. Well, that was fun. We'll go ahead and move right into the next one. Uh, So we have 
Janan Song coming in against Kevin Josette. What you said? Oh, that you want to be, man. Uh, what you said? So, oh, sorry. Uh, so we got Song Kanan coming in against Kevin Josette. This is going to be a pretty fun one here. Again, a lot of these matchups on this fight. Going to address the elephant in the room here, folks. There's a lot of people that are fighting folks that have like twice the record they have, which just feels a little odd to me, a little hodgepodge. Song Kanan has he has 27 fights under his belt. Meanwhile, he's fighting a young man that's had 11 fights. It's quite a difference. It's almost a third of the fight experience. So Kevin Jusset is definitely, a, he's no joke. I mean, you can tell in his picture on UFC.com that he is flexing as absolutely hard as he can. Uh, you love to see it. He's hitting. He's hitting one of the one of these. Veins um, bulging. I just the only the only thing that could have made that moment better is if I had like a Goku or Vegeta soundbite queued up. <laughs> Vegeta. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is going to be a really fun fight, though. I think Song Kanan is an absolute stud. Uh, dude comes out there and just. Swings and banks, man. Um, 47% of his wins come by way of TKO. 42% of his wins come by way of submission. Only 11% of his wins make it to the decision. Dude comes out there to get it done. Meanwhile, across from him is a very different layout here and landscape of finishing. Uh, his opponent, 40% TKO rate, 10% sub rate, 50% decision rate. Average fight time is 15 minutes. So his average fight time is three full rounds. Meanwhile, standing across from him in Song Kanan, his average fight time is only 9 minutes and 15 seconds. And he also averages a knockdown at least every 15 minutes. Meanwhile, his opponent doesn't. I'm going Song Kanan on this one. And not only that, but I'm going to be a little bit ballsy and say I think Song Kanan by finish. Um, it's tough, though, to, to, to guarantee the finish by way of knockout or by way of uh, submission. So... I mean, for me, I would have to go the the double play odds that we like to hit here or method of victory, double chance winning method. And that would get us around looking at odds. Uh, Song Kanan to win by TKO or submission is actually sitting at plus 275 odds, folks. We're going to we're going to hammer the hell out of that line. Um, I'm, I'm fairly confident in this one that it hits just on a on a grand scheme here because I think Song Kanan is the better fighter. I think he should beat him. I don't understand. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't understand why Kevin Jusset is the favorite in this one. If I'm being honest with you. Um, I mean, he does have the three and a half inch reach advantage, which is fairly solid, but we've seen Song Kanan fight people with better reach uh, than that in the past. Um, Again, I also get that his opponent is definitely kind of riding the the wave of four wins in a row, while Song Kanan has been fairly inconsistent, losing to Max Griffin and Ian Gary in just recent years. But, I mean, the dude is also an absolute beast, right? Um, his only other loss is Alex Morono. Those are not losses to be ashamed of. Uh, his most recent win is over Rolando Bedoya. Came out there and, and got the unanimous decision, went over him. And in that Ian Gary fight, he rocked Ian Gary like four times. He did. So I'm taking Song Kanan here and I'm taking him by finish. 
Ooh, baby, spice of mint bone. Well, brother, I'm going to have my no filter hat on here. I think you're wrong. I think you're bloody wrong here, brother. And you know, you talked about riding the waves here. Maybe it's because of the Aussie. What uh, the f do you mean I'm wrong, bro? Bro, you're talking about Kevin Ayer and Drew Set. Oh, what you said. And uh, speaking about riding waves, he's riding that city kickboxing wave, brother. You know about them boys. Izzy Adesanya. Dan, the hangman hooker. Alex Volkanovsky, the previous Well, you know, okay. You know, they have talking about three dudes that are on a skid right now, brother. <laughs> they have not been doing good. Okay, you ride a bounty. You ride a bounty. Where are these that. champions? Where are these winners? <laughs> you're right. You're right. It's not the best for them. So that rave is definitely went right into a tide pool, unfortunately. But have no fear. Air is here, baby. And he's going to find a way to get it done, man. This kid is a very talented dude. 30 years old, 6'2", similar to that Ian Machado build. And I think that's going to give Kanan Song some problems. I will say the one difference here with Kevin's game, even though he does have four submissions under his belt, is that he does have a, a, a little bit better grapple and a little bit better of a ground game, a little bit more physical than the Ian Machado Gary. Not as pretty, not as worried about his wags and all this stuff, you know, surrounding him and trying to chase being the next Conor McGregor. Too soon, too soon. You're right. Um, <laughs> not soon enough. <laughs> I know we should have started off with that one. And how you went viral because of our boy Ian Machado. Can, I was going to say, can we just talk praise. about Froggy Fresh right now? <laughs> My goodness with that rap, brother. Jeez. Had me like. He's talented, brother. He's a wordsmith. He don't so wanna get, good. You don't want to get across those guys. You don't want to get into beef with someone that has that kind of penmanship. I mean, come on. Forget about it. Um, but yeah, brother, all things considered here. I mean, Kanan Song, the, they call him the assassin for a reason. He's got 20 wins, nine KOs, eight submissions. That's 17 out of 20, ladies and gentlemen. Really good odds. Um, and really, his only blemishes are against elite talent in this division. And Ian Machado Gary, who's now ranked. And I mean, his, his you know, ceiling it hasn't even been scratched yet. Max Griffin, uh, back in 2021, like you mentioned, Alex Morono as well. We even want to go back to 2017 outside of the UFC. Brad Riddell, very big name. Not a slouch by any means. So I, I do think this will be a tough outing here for Kevin. I, I don't know why they're giving him this matchup unless they know. And, and you're right, man. I mean, the reality is he is. Kevin is the Ben favorite at minus 155. Vegas must know something that we don't. And that's because he's part of that city kickboxing team. Maybe he's riding the wave. He's, he's, he's riding that privilege a little bit. But I think stylistically, he's going to find a way to use the wrestling use his, his creative striking and, and and hopefully avoid the assassin's barrage of punches and his durability. But I think he'll find a way to edge out a decision here. I think so. My I think we're gonna have gosh. A shot Give me Kevin Ayer. I'm taking the Dude. young buck. The prodigy. Honestly, like that's, it's kind of a bonkers take, brother. I love hey. you. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, iron, dude. Brother. You think he's going to come out there and like use his wrestling? But for a dude that's got, got nine submission wins, dog, I don't feel like that's the play, dude. Like Mad I mean, Max, can you chime the can you chime the hell in? Like, I don't I don't know if you want to take down the assassin, bro. Mm -hmm. Um he may not want to live down there. He may not want to be paying rent and you I know. don't know that that's the move, brother. 
I truly don't. Like, I, I think if he takes him down, it might be one of those the beginning of the end situations because Song Kanan, like, he, he's he's a dog on the ground, dude. He can he can nice pull kid. things from the bottom. He's dangerous. Um, I just don't know if that, like you said, I don't think he'll want to live there. It'll be a tough place for him to stay. Um, if he wants to just hammer takedowns to get those points up, might be a good move. Might be a good move. Uh, Maybe we can agree to disagree on a minus 125 odds on the under 2.5. Neutral ground there because... That's they, they that's solid. Not, they may not need the judges here. Someone's going out. Yeah, no, I think I think someone's definitely going out in this one. And uh, Mad Max said it originally. I think he's looking at uh, Bovada odds. I think the under two point five minus one fifteen here was tempting. Like, yeah. and I'm looking at DraftKings, so different tomato tomato. Similar Shout odds, out. very similar. Very similar. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I, I, I thought I saw you looking at Bovada earlier. So um, Bovadad, nice Bovadad. <laughs> Bova, Bova Daddy. Daddy. He's the Bova <laughs> Daddy over there at the Mad Max Meridian show, folks. Who's yeah, Bova um, Daddy? We got, a, we got a shot on that one for sure, and we'll do one preemptively for the show here. You got water or any beverage in front of you? Feel free to take a sip with us. Salud. I don't know if you saw, but since I'm going for all the Japanese and Chinese fighters, seemingly, I had to break nice. out the, the Harazaki, you know what I'm saying? Nice. I'm just showing what the four roses single barrel. Oh, let's go. Four roses is a classic. It's a staple. It's a staple. classy. I'm classy. What can I say? Um, yeah, he said it was unintentional, but now he's calling it Bova Dad. Honestly, you should call it Bova Dad, and you should call yourself the Bova Daddy every time you hit. That's the thing. Um, yeah, he's the Bova Daddy-o. Yep. He's the Bova Daddy-o. It's a fact, son. So we're going to go ahead and move into this next fight here, guys. Um, man, I feel like this happened pretty damn quick. Um but we're already in the main card, you you guys. We're already here. It's time for the main card. It's time! So we're here, and we'll jump right into it. We have uh, another young man who is uh, similar to the assassin, but almost kind of the complete opposite of the assassin. You know I'm talking about Jun Young Park fighting out of South Korea. You know I'm talking about the Iron Turtle, Jun Young Park, who hit that dance after that win. Um He's a, he's a great fun fighter to watch. Uh, 17 and 5. Coming in against a very game, very dangerous Andre Muniz. Um, I do have thoughts on this one. I don't want to sway you on it. Nano, where are you taking to this one, my guy? Let's go, brother. Appreciate the quick tap in here. I know we're coming off diverting paths, so maybe we'll come together. We'll find out. But uh, I'll start with the uh, Jun Young Park coming into this bout, right in a four or five win streak over the past couple of years. Love to see it. But can he find a way to escape this Brazilian anaconda, be more formally known as uh, Andre Muniz? Very strong uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialist, is from Brazil, uh, with fifth and uh, 15 submissions to his name. That is of Andre Muniz. Uh, Andre Muniz, 33 years old, 23-6 and six record, 4K, 15 subs like I just mentioned twice. So sweet, had to say it again there. Um, Andre Muniz is going to have a two-inch two inch advantage and a five inch reach advantage ladies and gentlemen it's gonna make it hard for our boy jun young park to get inside there and and find a path to victory now similar age 32 years old he's 17 and 5 with his record 5ko6 subs so certainly not a slouch by any means but one memory that sticks out to me here with uh, jun young park is that uh, the last time he faced off against a strong brazilian fighter it was um our boy robocop and um as you can imagine 
you square off against a robo cop and they go in well for you and that's there was no walk in the park for jung young park he got sat down and um that was actually his last loss and since then he's you know knuckled up and gone on a four or five win streak since so maybe that paid dividends for him but all things considered man i mean andre muni is it's and you've seen him lose and and it's it's weird i mean i've seen him live fighting so maybe a part of me just partially wants to you know lean that direction but i just have a feeling he's he's a little bit bigger he's stronger and if it gets to the ground at all he gets a limb he gets a leg an arm i mean it's it's over and there's no way he's getting head slammed i'll tell you that much i know we came off two last week we probably won't see that for a long time but he's too gosh darn big <laughs> to be in hands head slammed like that so um i think he's gonna find the track here man get back on track and i think he's gonna find a way to win maybe by submission man that's what he does what are you thinking, brother? I think that's a pretty solid analysis there on your end. Um, let's go ahead and jump in the chat here before I dive into my breakdown. We have Mad Max Meridian saying, this first fight of the main card, I am way too pumped for. A lot of potential for fun shit. Uh, and then he also added, Moody's early has a very high potential to squeeze the life out of anyone, including Park. Later it goes, though, the Iron Turtle lives up to his namesake, Turtle and Hairstyle. That and how bad Moody's fades. I'm torn. Um... Well, I'll tell you what, folks. I'll tell you what. Uh, oh, he also threw in here. Damn. Nano might have sold me on Moonies a bit more. Well, hold your horses here. I'm going to give you some keys to victory for the other guy. We're talking about Junior and Park. We're talking about the Iron Turtle here, folks. And uh, I think he has quite a few paths to victory. Now, uh, the, the man typically gets it done by either submission or decision. And even just looking at when he typically gets it done, other than that Dennis Hyulian fight, where he got it done with four minutes and five seconds into the very first round. He typically is a second round or third round finisher. More often than not, though, it is a second round finish. Um, second round finish by punts, John Vock. Uh, second round finish or second round loss via Anaconda, uh, blah, 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 via Anaconda to Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Uh, he got then two unanimous decision wins. Uh, actually, no, three unanimous decision wins. And then when he lost his uh, TKO to Gregory Rodriguez, second round. Uh, when he won over Joseph Holmes in the finish, second round. The win with Albert Duraev that he recently got with the rear naked choke, second round. Um, most of these are also coming two and a half minutes into that second round. So, gun to my head, who am I taking? I got Jun Young Park. I got the Iron Turtle. I don't think it's hard to see that. Uh, but... If, if you want to kind of know the safe bet here, I mean, Jun Young Park is a minus 175 favorite right now, and there is a chance, though it might be slim in my mind, in my heart of hearts, that he loses, right? There's still a chance. Now, there's 10-point sweeter odds on the over 1.5. So as long as this fight sees an eighth minute or even a seven, seven minutes, 31 seconds, you hit that. Um... I don't know if that's a play worth taking on its own, but I'm confident that that hits. Uh, I just don't love taking like solo bets like that when they're negative odds. Um, so I'll probably throw this one, sprinkle it on my parlay. I truly think that Jun Young Park is one of those guys that has a, a very, very credible last ability, especially in the people that he's fought. Um, and Dude is extremely game for any kind of fight anywhere it goes. I don't think Andre's going to be able to sub him early on. 
just because I don't think Jun Jung Park makes those types of mistakes early on to get subbed. I can see him getting knocked out early on, um, but not by Andre Muniz. Just no chance. Uh, no. Mad Max Meridian in the chat here. Jun Young Park is when you just leave the create a character in the video game at the base stats and model. 75 in all stats. Doesn't stand out anywhere aside from maybe durability. He's solid everywhere. I completely agree. Um, like, I don't like to say he's a very average fighter. Instead, I'll say he's a very well-rounded fighter, right? Like, like you said, he doesn't have 99 stats and knockout power. He doesn't have 99 stats and submissions or submission defense, but he's got 75 stats across the board everywhere. And he's like a four-star fighter. I'll take that all fucking day. Because uh, Andre Muniz, he might be a 4.5-star fighter on UFC 5 or UFC 4. I don't know. But if he is, it's because he's got an overabundance in submission skill. I was and a say, lackluster ability in defense. I was say, he's like creating the fighter where you put everything moderate and then you just stack up 95 uh, BJJ or just a yeah. ground game. <laughs> and exactly offense. That. Only offense. I literally yeah. said before he had his fight, and you might you might remember this. We did a show on this right before he had his fight against Brendan Allen. I literally Ooh. said, not only do I think Brendan Allen goes out there and beats him, but I think he dog walks him. Not only do I think Brendan Allen dog walks him, I think he gets a sub on him. Brother, all of those things happened. I we're like Andre Muniz. On, yeah, I mean, we're all in on Brendan Allen. Allen. Oh, Come on, brother. Let's we know go, this, baby. Man. All day, baby. Um, we have been all in on Allen for a while, but I mean, like this is, I think this is going to be no different. I think John Young Park is going to be too much for him. Um, he's not going to make amateur mistakes and get submitted in the first round. Knock on wood. I hope I'm not fucking jinxing this shit. Did you put that evil um, on me? Did you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? So man, this, this is a, this is a fight that just honestly is stacked. It's absolutely stacked. I'm excited as hell about this one. And, uh, I'm even more excited about the next one though. Oh, baby. This is a banger. This is a banger. It's your boy. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. I may need to give you the floor here, and I'll throw my two cents, but what are you thinking, brother? Can, does he got more dog in him? Does he got a little, little more dog in him? What are we thinking? You talking about Tim Elliott? You talking about Tim Elliott? Let me, let me just call him real quick. Ring, ring. That's, that's Tim Elliott, folks. That, that's what you're going to do in the fight? Oh, perfect. Yeah. So that was Tim Elliott, you guys. Um, he is a dog. Um, judging by that response, he is multiple dogs. Okay. He got them dogs in him. Dude's an absolute beast. Um, he took this this fight on extremely short notice. Uh, they asked him if he could fight in February, and he said, yeah. And then they called him and they said, can you do it this week instead? And he said, yeah. And so he flew there the next day. Um, and that was yesterday. Or no, maybe he flew there Tuesday. I think he flew yeah. there Tuesday so he could do media days on Wednesday. And but he's yeah, the betting he, favorite at minus 130 right now. And wow. he's the betting favorite wow. over the MMA Anomaly Awards winner of best comeback fight of the year. Well, he was on the opposite side of the winner, but still, he was part of the fight. Sumo Darji was putting it on Matt Danger Snell throughout the beginning part of that fight. And he dropped Matt Snell like four times. And Matt Snell still weathered the storm. Uh, he treated it like it was just a, a, a puny storm. That young man grew up in the South. He's used to hurricanes, folks. He can weather that little tiny storm. And that's what he did. He came back and he beat and got the submission over Subodarji. Um, He got the finish. Now, Subodarji, being in wars like that at only 27 years old, not going to do yourself any favors. And Tim Elliott, standing across from him, 
I'm sure you remember this GIF from the Yelp days. I used to send it quite often because it's also the only GIF or video clip I have ever seen of any man throwing like three flying knees back to back to back. Looks like a video game character, except a video game character would have gotten tired in that sequence. Tim Elliott didn't, folks. The young man is a freak. He rolls, he throws, he scrambles. Just the way that he moves makes me nervous. Like, I'm not even in the octagon with him. And just watching the way that the guy moves, I'm like, nope, doing one of that. I don't, know, I don't even know what I would do next. What's he going to do now? And like, he, like his hands are up. You think he's about to clinch with you. And out of nowhere, you're eating a knee. Like, it just doesn't make sense half the time he's throwing things. And I just, I love Matt Schnell. Like, I'm, I'm the leader of the Matt Schnell fan club. And I think Tim brings a lot weirder things to the table than Matt did. And Sumadarji couldn't keep up with that. I think Tim Elliott is the leader here on the odds for an absolute reason. Um, there's just no reason for him not to be. Uh, he, he deserves to be the favorite, and he's not a heavy favorite, right? He's a, he's a minus 190, or no, he's a minus, minus 130, 130 here. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at the previous fan. Uh, he's, a, he's a minus 130 here, and for that reason, I'm going to be adding him to the, to the parlay here. I'm doing a kind of a big, crazy parlay this week, folks. Jeez. I'm putting it together while we're fucking going through the picks. Right now, I'm at plus 3,831. Well, don't worry about it. odds. I will, have a, I will have your hedged parlay bet because I'm going against you, bro. I'm going against you, big dog. We may be matching shirts, but we are not matching parlays. We are not matching bets on this main card. And I'm going to tell you why, brother. I'm going to tell you why real quick. Okay? And yes, you are <laughs> correct. Tim Elliott did take this fight on two days' notice. What an absolute savage. Maybe three days. I mean, the, the news came out two days ago, so maybe you got it a day or two before. Enough time to fly out there, cut out your water, and hopefully you make weight. But my goodness, what an absolute savage Tim Elliott is at 36 years old, 20 and 13 record, three KOs, six subs, 10 decisions. That's as durable as you can basically be, ladies and gentlemen. Now, there is a nine-age gap here. It's going to be your classic old bull versus the young calf narrative going into this one. So, automatically, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to lean the younger fighter, especially when there's a nine-year age gap. 62% of the time, they win every time. So, although Tim Elliott is a savvy and gritty veteran in the UFC, making his 21st walk into the UFC octagon, uh, safe to say he's seen it all in there, right? I mean... I don't think anything's going to surprise him whatsoever. But at 36 years old, how fast are you? How strong are you? What's your stamina looking like? And how hungry are you? Right? Because the reality is you got a young, hungry bull in front of you, man. He's got Sue Muderji at 27 years old, 16 and 5 with 13 KOs. That is an 87% finish rate, ladies and gentlemen. And that's just on his feet. I don't even want to tell you, bro. This guy, the first UFC fighter from Tibet. It's a country that borders China. I had to look that up, but I'm glad I did. Learned something new. He's a very violent southpaw fighter who's constantly looking for the finish. And need I remind you that he is so focused and so driven to add more talent and add more skills to his skill set that he even flew out to Dagestani, to the mountains, to go train with the mountain men, Khabib and Islam and them boys. He said, I want to go improve my skills. I'm going to go to be the best. I'm picking up my bags. Later, mom. Later, dad. Later, grandma. Later, little sister. I'm out of here. Okay? I'm hitting the mountains with them boys. Brother. That's next level. Okay? You're committed. And he's 27 years old. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? 
Well, I'll tell you who. He's a doll. Sumu Derji. Sumu Derji, brother. Sumu Derji. Sumu Derji. I well, wanted I mean, to say it, Saw, but uh, it's not Saw. Saw was there, dude. Saw was Look, dude, I, I love your breakdown. Honestly, I love the passion. I love the excitement. And, and more than anything, I fucking love you, brother. Uh, but I can't even I can't even respond to you any better than Rick Sanchez could. So I'm just going to let him say it for me. And that's lick, lick, lick my balls. <laughs> yeah, I disagree. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I love Super Derrick. You know, I love that fight um, with Matt Schnell. And I, I do think he's a game opponent. But I'm, I'm jumping back in the chat here, brother. Mad Max said it better than I can. Tim Elliott is just so hard to train for, I think, too. And a Missouri boy. You know what I'm saying? The dirty, dirty. Um, he's from Missouri, but his opponent's going to be in misery. You know what I'm saying? So, Ooh. oh, Sumo Dereji, it's I like the guy, but I don't know, dude. On Saturday, I got I to gotta bet the other way. I'm, I'm taking Tim Elliott here. Throwing him on the parlay. Um, this fight is so fresh. Just going to point it out. DraftKings has no over-under odds on this fight. Um, Too so short that should notice. tell you, yeah, that, that should tell you how short notice this one is. Uh, moving into this next fight, we got Nasrat Hopcross coming in against Jamie Mularkey. Uh, this is a really solid fight, and I, for one, am extremely excited about it. Um, I think this is going to be another one where we where we go opposite ways, my friend. I'll let you take the lead on this one. What are your thoughts? Oh, okay. Let's see. Stay tuned for the predictions here. Uh, yeah, man. Hey, two guys that have losses against, I would say, the who's who in the division. Okay. They have have some great wins under their belt, but they've lost the guys that, you know, are, are the cream of the crop. Okay. Guys are at the top of the mountaintop. Right? Sorry, real quick, guys. Breaking news. The Bova Daddy himself, Mad Max Meridian, has come through with the Bova Dad uh, odds, otherwise known as Bovado odds. The over 2.5 is minus 105 there, and the under is minus 125. Um, I say if you're going to bet that fight, you just take the cleanness in uh, Timothy Elliott, folks, uh, instead of, you know, taking the minus odds on either the over or the under, because I don't know if he's going to finish it, but I know he's probably going to fucking get the dub, you son. Oh, baby. It's only you already know what it is. You know the vibes. You already know what it is. You know the uh, Speaking of you know the vibes, I did see that you uh, in the background poured up uh, another one. So I, in in classic honor, I will go ahead and do the same thing here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And add some yeah, spice to that breakdown. Love that. But yeah, brother, it just it feels like both these fighters are uh, stuck at that level right before you face Shao Kahn, the final boss, right? Just, oh, Shao Kahn with the Mortal Kombat reference. Cheers to that, brother. Uh, we're a Mortal Kombat program around here. Amongst other games as well. I digress. This is a matchup, though, where we got Nasra, who I'm going to throw in on our next shirt, potentially as a meat and potato striker, brother. And as Daniel Cormier so elegantly put on um, Joe Rogan's podcast for the millions and millions of people globally to know about our term meat and potato striker. Okay, we're going to coin it now. And shout out DC for getting the word out. Because, we appreciate um, you, DC. Fellow Southern guy. Let's go. There we go. There we go. Because, yeah, and I mean, Nasrat, mean potatoes to a T. Nothing spectacular. Striking maybe all around 80, 85 overall. And and it's nothing It's nothing to wow you. It's, he's not the guy in the gym that's super flashy. It's nothing extravagant. Doesn't even look that fast. 
Mainly, even look the hardest. He looks very nonchalant in there, and he kind of has that bit of a doughy body. It doesn't look like your, you know, um, your gym hero, right? He's not the guy that's in there, you know, throwing the weights around. He just is an all around, just solid fighter. Now he's right at 28 years old, 15 and five, with nine KOs under his belt. Um, and after everything I just said, you're probably like, okay, that doesn't make sense. But again, mean potatoes. It's a very simple one, one, two, one, two. Reset, back up, one, one, two, get back in, reset, hands up. I mean, it, it's it's very rhythmic when he's in there. You, you hear fighters talk about a flow state or having kind of like a cadence, like a one, two, like a dance or like a like a song. He, he's very rhythmic in there and, and, and it's fun to watch, but it's very mean potatoes. Very matter of fact, very straight to the point. Now you got on the other side of that, you got a Jamie Malarkey who throws nothing but Malarkey at you in terms of his striking capabilities in terms of using his six foot frame and that 74 inch reach and that orthodox stance to really confuse you um change angles uh change levels but use all of his limbs his legs his knees he's, he's a you know long you know uh i, I want to say stringy guy i don't know if they string cheese for some reason maybe i'm hungry but uh just a long, lengthy fighter that knows how to use his lane, his range very well. Uh, and I think that's what's going to be the problem here for Nasrat. I mean, as much as I want to lean Nasrat here, and I do think he is the favorite at minus 192. Something about these underdogs in this card, man. I, it, it makes me want to chase it. I might have to put together an underdogs card altogether because I really like Jamie Malarkey here at plus 160. It's just... I like his style in terms of his violence and his striking capabilities. Um, he's someone that, to me, has more ways to win. Again, he's 17 and 6 with 10 KOs and 3 submissions. And Nasra has 9 of his own. And very, very similar in terms of their ages, their height, um, their fights, like everything leading in here, almost virtually identical. But again, I, I'm just going to lean the more crafty uh, striker. Here in Jamie Malarkey. I think he'll find a way to just cut and hurt and score more points. You know, the leg kicks are going to be lethal here as well. Nasrat doesn't have a lot of movement. Um, so if he can, you know, take out his wheels there, I think he'll find a way to win in Jamie Malarkey at plus 160. Give me that under dog all day. Now, are we doing another shot on the, you know, the recap episode? Are you against me on this one, brother? Or are you with me? So, you took malarkey on this i'm going malarkey brother all that to lead up to i know nasrat's a mean potatoes guy you might have thought i was leaning that way but going malarkey. i got malarkey too ain't that ain't that a load of malarkey um <laughs> and and you know i i do love that you called nasrat a mean potato striker he's just very like nothing wasted right um what i had written down is nothing fancy nothing wasted but everything he throws is tasted because um, he's very accurate, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Meat and potatoes, baby. He's feeding it to you. I didn't even realize what I was doing, but we were doing it. Uh, we were doing the thing. Uh, shout out to the no filter across the shorts of Sean Strickland there instead of USC. Love to see it. Love to see it. There it is. Let's go, baby. Let go. Um, so a couple things that I want to point out here. Now, you already did a, a fantastic job of teeing me up for the for the win here and uh, letting me basically just get get ready to sit in, settle in, and enjoy the win. Because I'm just going to basically pepper up what you already said, and that is this. Jamie Malarkey is a string cheese-style fighter 
the man is uh, long and strong and he's down to get some friction on. So, fellas, yeah, fellas, yeah, is he probably going to win the fight? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so, here we go. It's going to happen. Uh, let me go through why I feel this way, though. Now, looking at these guys, UFC-specific careers, okay? Um, Nasrat Hopcrossed has a UFC win percentage ratio of 64% wins, right? Uh, while Jamie Malarkey has won 56% of his UFC fights. Seven and four in the UFC versus five and four in the UFC. Um, Jamie Malarkey, for whatever reason, he's one of those old style fighters that you would think has been here for 35 years in the fucking sport, but he's, he's the newer guy, right? As far as the UFC goes. And, and he's also the, the more fresh fighter as far as the UFC goes. Now, that being said, what happens when these guys actually do their thing? Okay. If we're talking about significant strikes, it's fairly close. And I think it's a lot closer than a lot of you folks would think. Significant strikes specifically to the head. Now, if we're talking accuracy stats here, which is what really matters, because I don't care if you throw 200 or you throw 100, what matters is how many of those you landed. Um, 39% to 34%. Nasrat. Strikes to the body accuracy. 74% to 68%. Nasrat. Now, Nano. Brace yourselves, okay? Um, because this man is going to knock your legs out from underneath you and have you looking down saying, Where are you? Uh, because they're just going to be gone. Uh, when it comes to leg strikes accuracy, okay? And this is only significant striking accuracy. Jamie Malarkey has a 92% significant strike to the legs accuracy in the UFC specifically. That means if he throws 10 leg kicks... And nine or more of them are going to hurt you. Uh, that sucks. His opponent has 73%. So I think that's the biggest differentiator. Okay. And now strikes to the body defense. Okay. Strikes to the body defense here. His opponent has 31%. And the, the stringy young man has 40%. So he's going to be defending his body quite well. He's going to be landing at agnosium to the legs. And then from there, he's going to tee up a solid shot to the head. I'm calling for a second round knockout by Jamie Malarkey in this one. Um, I got a weird feeling that it's going to be a second round knockout for Jamie Malarkey. Is that what I'm throwing on my, uh, my, my big, big boy parlay here? No, I am going to go ahead and put Jamie Malarkey money line on there. Oh, fuck. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. I don't know if I'm that confident. I'm going to hold off. Ooh. I'm going to hold off on that one. Go with your gut. I was thinking Go about your it. Gut. Yeah, that, I, I was thinking about it, but I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off on that one. Um, I'm going to hold off on that one. But what I do want to do <coughs> is I want to look at the round props here. And I want to see specifically for... Is this one not on here? Oh, this this one fight is not on the round props? Oh, you're gonna be kidding me. Oh no, there it is. Okay. I was just it's it's a different order on here than it is in the other one. Okay, weird. Round props. Fight to finish in round two is plus five fifty. I'm gonna throw uh one unit on that. I'm gonna throw one unit on that. I think that's a and it's a big time money play. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm going to throw one unit on that one. I think that's money in the bank. Um, 
round two finish. And it doesn't even matter who finishes. It's just a round two finish. I think that's a money someone play. finishes, baby. That's what that's, that's my pl- motto. You get that at plus 550 odds. <laughs> nice. That's pretty good. You get that at plus 550 odds. So I'll take that one all day. And with that being said, guys, it's time for the co-main event of the evening. The co-main event of the evening. We got Anthony Lionheart Smith coming in against Khalil. That guy owes me lunch money, Roundtree. Uh, because that's how he fights people, folks. Like, they owe him lunch money. He's out there trying to murder somebody. I mean, there's only two things you can say about his fight style. He's either fighting people like they owe him lunch money or fighting people like they stole his little sister's bike and he just found out. It's just bad news. He goes out there and he fights with just pure venom. Um, the only other person I see fight with that much intent to genuinely hurt his opponent is probably John Jones. So um, going to go ahead and let you take the lead on this one and uh, let us know. Does Khalil Roundtree beat Anthony Smith the way John Jones did? Oh, boy. By he illegally uh, kneeing him in the face there? Uh, probably not. <laughs> By knee in the down opponent. Um, no, I, man, this is this is a fun matchup, ladies and gentlemen. Fun co-main event of the evening. Anthony Smith at 35 years old, 37 and 18 record, 20 KOs, 14 subs. That is a 91% finish rate. With that amount of fights, that's absolutely bonkers. Uh, I, I think the narrative here, though, for me is how much fight does this old lion have left in him, man? I know he's called Lionheart. We've seen some ups. We've seen some downs. I mean, just frankly, what version are we going to see here from Anthony? Um, and how is he going to respond to the powerful striker that he's going to have in front of him, right? I mean, this Khalil Roundtree, like you said, I mean, every strike is at a 101% on the powerometer. I mean, this guy's throwing nothing but lead out there. And it, and it, he throws uh, fundamentals out out the door. I mean, it's it's... To his own detriment, Khalil Roundtree is just out there swinging, and I mean, you could feel the breeze probably from the you know upper deck there in the octagon in the apex. Um, it's 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 a bit much, you know. I think Anthony Smith is going to have the obviously the better IQ advantage here. Is a little bit of a bigger guy, although Khalil Roundtree is going to have a little bit of a reach advantage, half an inch, not necessarily much, basically a wash. But man, I mean, all things considered, like it just feels like Khalil, although he is the favorite to win at minus 205 here, according to DraftKings, but it just feels like he doesn't do good against guys that are bigger and more physical than him. Johnny Walker, for example, just kind of ran him across the octagon, elbowed him in the face, got him out of there. You know, can Anthony Smith use that variety of his skill set? Um, and just avoid the violent strikes at all times you know, for 15 minutes. Only time will tell. Dude, I'm so torn on this. Like, I, I genuinely want to see Anthony Lionheart win. I mean, he's someone you want to root for. He's someone that you just, at any point, you just want to see him put it together, want to see him get another crack at the title. But at this stage, it's just tough. It's really tough. And I've seen him fold too many times basically give up i mean i rewatched that magomed alkaliya fight and kind of turned his back and didn't want to deal with it anymore and and khalil roundtree is going to basically give him that same kind of dosage i mean it's going to be hard shots it's going to be pressure 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 yeah you could try to grab a leg whatever but he's going to be trying to hit the side of your head hit your neck hit the behind the ear anything that's relatively legal maybe even partially illegal this khalil roundtree guy doesn't give a bullocks it's like a honey badger in there um 
Man, I think I'm leaning the Honey Badger Kill around tree. I don't feel good about it. Don't feel good about it at all. I want to see Anthony Lionheart. I want to see the best version of him. I just can't put my money where where um, Lionheart's mouth is, unfortunately, at this point. What are your thoughts, brother? I think uh, I can't really say it much better myself, my brother. I think uh, Anthony Smith has gone out there recently, and he's he's gotten beat up. He's given up. He's lost teeth. I mean, he's done everything you can do on the, the negative side of the sport, man. Meanwhile, his opponent comes out there, and he just, again, he beats you like you owe him money. I, I, I truly think that this is going to be one of those fights where either, I hate to say this out loud and put it in the universe, but uh, either Lionheart Smith goes out there and gets a very slick, tricky sub, early on because Khalil simply makes a mistake or Khalil goes out there and just absolutely bullies his opponent and Anthony Smith. Uh, I, I think Khalil Roundtree presents a lot of the main problems that John Jones presented for Anthony Smith, not in range or reach, but in power and willingness to move into the flames. Um, Anthony Smith's problem has always been, especially since he moved up to, to light heavyweight when he was a middleweight, he'd oftentimes move into the fire and it cost him. And I think that's why we see this version of him in light heavyweight where he's so much less willing to just drive through those flames and eat the shots to hopefully land his own. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's just a thing, right? It is what it is. But it is something that I would like to see, uh, you know, kind of him get past because you can't win fights playing defensively unless someone makes a huge mistake like has happened in his last handful of wins. Uh, I just don't know if Khalil is going to be the one to make that mistake. But like I said, he can, he, we've seen him make mistakes. We've seen him fumble the bag with guys that are longer and lankier than him like this. Right? So I'm not going to put money on Khalil Roundtree as much as I'd like to, especially with him being this heavy favorite. It's hard to, to kind of warrant putting money on him to, to win this fight, especially when, I mean, Khalil Roundtree is a minus two Oh five. You can get the under 2.5 rounds. So basically, as long as it ends before the last like two and a half minutes of the fight, you win this. And that's at minus 295. I think those are the best odds to take on it. I agree with Mad Max Meridian here in the chat here. A lot of mileage on old Smith. It's a fact. A lot of mileage on Smith um, inside and outside of the UFC, inside and outside of the light heavyweight division, folks. Um, I'm excited for this one, but at the same time, I just think that it's... Uh, Khalil Roundtree Jr.'s fight to loose. And this is going to be one of those fights where if he beats a name like Anthony Smith, he could put him right into the title contender name or the title contender conversation for that matter. So I'm here for it. I'm taking the under 2.5 on this one, not as a solo bet. I'm adding that one uh, right along to the parlay here, which gets us up to plus 5,163 so far. And we're going to go into the main event of the evening here. We got Song Yadong coming in against Chris Gutierrez. Nano, this fight has fireworks written all the hell over it. Am I right? Brother, it absolutely does, man. This is a banger of a main event here in the Bantamweight division. A lot of juice in this uh, division as of recently. It is the sugar era that we are in, ladies and gentlemen. But boy, it may not be that long with this guy, Song Yadong, in the picture, brother. This guy is someone we've been talking about for a long time now. I mean, no secret, man. Yadong Song. Absolute freaking savage, dude. 26 years old. I look up to him, man, even though I'm older than the kid. 20 years old, seven, uh, 20 wins, seven losses, two, uh, no contests or draws, essentially. 
nine KOs, three submissions. I mean, dude is absolutely decorated, man. Coming off four, uh, uh, well, I should say four of his last fights in since 2021 have been KOs or TKOs. One, including on himself against uh, the one and only Corey, the Sandman Sanhagen, which was a doctor stoppage, I must say. And I must also add that, honestly, man, I mean, that was a banger of a fight. If y'all haven't watched it, please go back and do yourself a favor and try to watch Song Yudong square off against the scariest 135er, one of the best. I mean, brother, it was a freaking striker's galore. And he only lost by a doctor stoppage. It was technically a stoppage. But he, I, you can argue he, it was going two to two going into that fifth round before the doctor stoppage. So what does that tell you about this kid, Yadong Song, right? I mean, I truly think he's on track to potentially be a champion by the time he's 30. And that's within four years. Not that unlikely, brother. A lot can happen in that he's time He's so frame. young. Bro, it's crazy. And he's so freaking good, dude. The dude's absolutely durable. He's strong. And he applies pressure like really no one else in this division from a striking perspective. Not like a Mirab or Aljo that's trying to, you know, sniff your crotch, as uh, Jorge would say. Jorge Masvidal, that is. Um, but the dude's constantly moving <laughs> hold up, forward. Hold up, hold up, Mad Max just said in the chat, Song Yadong equals Bolo Young. I don't know if you know this, but Bolo Young is the guy from fucking Bloodsport, bro. Oh, dude. The fucking the, 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 the powder in the eyes guy, bro. <laughs> the big scary dude. Oh, what a beast. The terrifying guy, yeah. Well, that's fucking perfect. Terrifying. Brother, yes, I that, great. That's actually that's kind of perfect. Um I I both love love and hate the accuracy of that. Uh he's oh, he's dude. literally like the final boss. He's terrifying. The only difference is like he came to train with fucking Frank Dukes over at uh, Team Alpha Male. Oh shit, no way. No, I'm talking about Frank Dukes from the movie. Like Team Alpha Male is uh, oh, okay, Team okay, Alpha okay. Male is you know your right favorite. The of white, course, I'm saying course. like the all American guy, like the dude from <laughs> the other country came to change. Anyways, of course, bad of joke. Course. Obviously, landing on flat ears here <laughs> happens all the time. It's what we do. Back to you, classic, Nano. Classic. Hey man, you miss every shot you don't take, right? Um, but yeah, brother. I mean, back to your donk song. I mean, this is someone. This is a fighter that's constantly moving forward. He's cutting angles to really shrink the octagon for his opponent. And he's got some of the cleanest fundamental boxing, striking, leg kicks. I mean, it's it's impressive, man. The dude is fun to watch. And not, not only on top of all that, but he's extremely explosive. I mean, the dude is an elite athlete with accurate and powerful punches. I mean, I'm running out of adjectives to describe this guy. Everything's just freaking badass, right? He's a badass motherfucker, okay? So no filter. That's where you're getting. This dude's a dog, okay? Um, and he's very disciplined on defense as well. You're going to see him keep his hands up. Have his marks, you know, rub the nose, keep his hands right where they need to be. Badass. Nine finishes. Nine finishes as a 135-pounder. That is no joke, ladies and gentlemen. The most in the Bantamweight division history is 10. And that is held by our other homie, the one and only Marlon Chito Vera. Absolute dog. Who freaking Yadon Song has beat back in 2020 to a unanimous decision. I mean, what are we talking about here, man? He, and he's still getting better, right? He's only 26. He's not even in his prime. So that's taking Corey Sandhagen to the depths of hell and, and lives to tell the tale. Be freaking Marlon Chito Vera. What's next for the kid, man? I think a dominant win over Chris Gutierrez, who I love El Guapo. He's a stud. He's someone you want to root for. I've lost some money on El Guapo. Um, 
and he's got some of the best leg kicks in this division. That's his, that's his really big claim to fame, and that's his best shot at a victory, is to chop the tree, use those leg kicks to hopefully hurt Yadong or keep him at bay. And maybe try to like land some record of the most leg strikes thrown. Maybe hopefully the most leg strikes landed. That's really his best chance to beat this freaking bulldozer of a stud Yadong song, man. I mean, he's a shooting star. You can only hope to contain him. You're not going to be able to stop him. Um... And at this stage, in El Guapo's career, a little bit older, I just don't think he's getting any better. He's not getting closer to his prime, while his opponent is literally getting better day in and day out. And I think we're going to see a whole new evolved version of Yadong Song. I'm expecting big things here, brother. I, I think he might finish our boy El Guapo. What do you think, brother? I think he's definitely going to get the finish on El Guapo. I think Song Yidong presents a number of problems. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the alpha male overhand is just something that we've seen a lot of alpha male fighters use. And uh, I don't know if you saw this clip. This clip came out some years ago when Song Yidong first went and started training at Team Alpha Male. And Uriah Faber openly admitted that he showed them a few things about the overhand, right? Uh, so when you have a gym that has something called the alpha male overhand and you have someone that comes to train with you and they show you how to do it better that's a scary prospect and that is song Yidong. uh i feel like he is the second coming of leoto machida but if leoto machida and sean the muscle shark shirk fucked and had an mma baby this is what would happen um that's freaky right there, but you're pretty accurate, brother. <laughs> like, Sean the Muscle Shark Shark, just simply because of the physique, the freak-like specimen of Song Yadong. I mean, have you ever seen a Yadong so veiny and just vascular and just... ripped? Facts. No, brother. I mean, come on, brother. This guy is just an absolute beast. Uh, the way that he throws is just something to behold. And the, the crazy thing here is... <clears throat> excuse me both guys have 20 wins professionally one of them has five losses one of them has seven losses so song Dong, even though he's the much younger man has way more tread on the tires even though he doesn't have more wins he's been in more fights so i mean i just i feel like the young man is just racking up wins and losses uh, he's racking up experience valuable experience and I just think that he is going to be the bigger, stronger, and uh, down to last longer Yudong in that fight. Man, somebody get a condom for Yudong because he's going out there to somebody. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. He's going out there to somebody, folks. Um, <laughs> oh, I knew that was coming. I love it. Guys. Oh, boy. Guys. I just, I think Song Yudong is going to get it done. Hey, I show time in the chat. Welcome to the show, brother. Glad you were able to make it. Um, if you haven't tuned into this guy's lives, he typically plays and streams uh, EA UFC 5 on here. And uh, man, dude's an absolute beast. Very, very fun watching this guy knock folks out. And he's also fought in real life outside of uh, the virtual world. Uh, him and his brother, I believe. So make sure you give that guy a follow. Uh, solid dude. Really, really solid dude. Welcome Shout to the chat, out. brother. Glad to have you. Appreciate Shout you, out. Brother. Yeah. Um, so, dude, Song Yidong, I mean, 
So the best thing about Song Yudong, in my humble opinion, is the the way that he's able to control and manage distance, right? Like he already is going to be coming into this match with a, an equal reach, which is crazy to me because I feel like if you look at these guys throughout their fights, like if you ask me without me having to Google, who's taller, Song Yudong or Chris Gutierrez? I'd say, oh, Song, for sure. And if you ask me who uh, who has the better reach, I'd say Song Yudong. They literally have the same exact reach, and Song Yudong is giving up an inch in height. So that was that was kind of news to me, kind of wild to me. But at the same time, Song Yudong is one of those guys, and you've heard me make this analogy before, where like if you have a world race, which is like a five-round fight, right? We're not talking about a quarter mile. We're talking about a fucking world race here, guys. All right? It's, it's not a one-minute like, we're talking about who, who can last. This is a war, folks. I'm taking a Prius over a Dodge Ram with a Hemi because the gas tank is better. I'm going to last longer and I'm going to have to stop less often to fill up. You have better acceleration. You have better top speed. That's fine. So I typically take the Prius in these races. Song Yudong about three, four years ago, he was a Dodge Ram with a Hemi. He's a Dodge Ram with a Hemi that has gotten some upgrades. Uh, he's gotten some fine tuning. And I'm going to jump in the comments here because Mad Max Meridian coming through with the goddamn hive mind again. His pacing has gotten better as well, as Mad Max Meridian said. Um, exactly what I was alluding to. His is, I wasn't going to say the word pacing, but pacing is a really, really good way to say it. Um, as you know, we're both in the sales world. That's a term that we use very often. And pacing is a very, very important thing if you want to succeed, right? You don't want to blow your load very early. You also don't want to back backpedal or sandbag, as we like to call it, for too much at the end of the month or end of the quarter uh, or end of the fight in this case. So, this is something that we actually see Song Yudong doing much, much better throughout his duration of his UFC career so far, and that is his ability to withstand, last the storm, and then throw big, heavy, and hard shots in the pocket. And again, his ability to control distance, even when he has either an equal reach or a lower reach than his opponent, is something to behold. Um he slams himself in the pocket. He sets things up with the right types of leads. He doesn't just throw the overhand to throw the overhand. He sets it up with the jab. He turns the jab over. The second that jab turns over, he's coming with the overhand. And literally, there's two points of contact when he throws typically, right? Like that's something that a lot of my favorite coaches will say is there's two points of contact. You throwing, and then that second point of contact, right, is when you pull it back, you're throwing the right hand. The left hand is coming back. These are the two points. The left hand touches your face again to protect you. The right hand touches their face to not protect them. So two points of contact at all times. Um, he does a really good job at that, at keeping himself out of harm's way while bringing the absolute utmost amount of damage to his opponent. And I mean, have I mentioned that the dude just throws hands like he's wearing UFC gloves laced with kryptonite? He's fighting a fucking Kryptonian every time. Like, Dude is a beast. Um, I love watching Song Yudong fight. I also like watching Chris Gutierrez fight, and I feel like I've just been sucking Song Yudong off this whole time. Chris Gutierrez is an absolute monster of a human being every single time he steps out there. I mean, the guy's nickname is El Guapo. Do you know the last guy who had the nickname El Guapo and actually deserved it? It ain't Nano, folks. It's fucking Boss Rootin'. Fuck out of here, Jive Turkey. He's much handsomer than me. He with no hair. That is fair. I mean, even I if he's not more handsome than you, are you ever going to say that he's not to his face? He will literally hit you with the best liver shot that the world has ever seen. 
Oh, dude, he would, yeah, he would wreck my world. He would take my legs out and my face. You don't want to get oh. those insides obliterated by that young man. I promise you that. Um, Open hands. Chris Gutierrez. Yeah, be over. He, he's an absolute beast, my guy. Uh, he, he's got 10 decision wins, uh, nine TKO slash KO wins. Again, dude is an absolute beast. Three TKOs in the first round, three TKOs in the second round. And three TKOs in the third round. The dude is, uh, you know, he likes to use multidimensional. He can give it to you here. He can give it to you there. Do you like appetizers? I can finish you in the first. You more of a main course guy? I'll finish you in the second. You like dessert? I'm going to make you last till round three, you son of a bitch. Um, that's how Chris Gutierrez fights. He's disgusting. He's dirty. He's gritty. He's nasty. Man, Mad Max Meridian, where you at in the chat with the, the uh, Chris Gritty Gutierrez nickname? Because that could be another one, folks. Dude is grittier. I mean, he's, he's just, he's, he's a gritty son of a bitch, folks. He's scary. He's terrifying. Um, the difference is, one of these guys is very long when he throws. In Song Yedong, right? Like, he throws your typical one-twos, or he'll throw your one overhand right, which is like his money, uh, his money in the bank, in my opinion. Chris Gutierrez is one of those guys that's going to, He's going to keep your tight, almost like Rocky-esque boxer style. He's going to come into the pocket, throw those like short one-twos so that he can hit those quick uppercuts or hooks over the top, right? He's not throwing an over, like, extend. And I, I used to say overextended a lot when I was thinking about the four or rather the overhand right. And something that a lot of people, a lot of like kind of uh, fight fans that don't train don't notice is there's a reason to throw this crazy over-exaggerated overhand versus just the two. And the reason is, if my hands are here, which you see me do every time I pretty much demonstrate anything, right? Because it's where the guard goes for me. If my hand's here, if I turn, you will see that there is a hole, a triangle-shaped hole in my guard right here. So you can see this triangle, and if you throw an overhand right, it slips right inside that triangle behind the lining of the jaw. Slide it right down the soft tissue of the jaw. And uh, as we like to say, Yahtzee, you just won the game, kid. Because uh, <laughs> that's just a it's a night-night shot. And if someone doesn't see it coming and they have their hands up in guard and they think that they're safe and sound, it's not the strongest, it's not the hardest, it's not even the fastest shot that knocks you out more often than not. It's the one you don't see coming. And if you got these laser beams up right here, you're not going to see the one that comes behind your line of sight that you're blocking with your own glove. Um, that's why we see that that hand, that shot work more often than not. It's because people don't see it coming. You don't squeeze your teeth shut at the right time. You can't tense up that jaw lining on your mouthpiece. There's a number of things that you don't do right. Um, and thus, you, you go to sleep and you wake up and have to get told you lost a fight, folks. I just think that's going to be the case for Chris Gutierrez. Um Typically, I like that gritty, get inside, throw the body shots like Chris Gutierrez likes to do. Man goes to the body. Man will go to the body, folks. I like to see it, too. Um, I just don't know if it's going to be enough in this one, folks. Song Yudong has improved so freaking much in the last couple years, call it like three years. And for me, I just feel like he's a hard one to match. And I'm very, very big on progress over where you started. Song Yudong's that guy. Like, And again, if we're talking UFC specific stats, dude's got three first round finishes. Get two second round finishes and one round three finish. 
His opponent has three total finishes in the UFC. Um, so, I mean, it's tough, right? When one guy has three total finishes in the UFC and the other guy has three finishes in the UFC in the very first round. Tough night. I think Song Yudong gets this one done. Um, you know I'm the old dog on this podcast as far as the the one half side that I represent. I'm going young dog on this one, man. Oh, it's unlike you, brother. But hey, you're picking the right dog, brother. I like it. It's a good pick, man. Great breakdown. You're absolutely right. Take it to the bank. I agree. Uh, dangerous game to play with Bloodsport Bolo, as Mad Max Meridian said here in the chat. You don't want to play those body hooks and in the pocket striking with the guy that has that kind of strength. And I just think we're going to see that happen. Um, real potential for a big coming out party for Song here, I think. And I completely agree, Mad Max, in the chat. Um, I don't know that we've seen this big of a coming out party or potential for one uh, for somebody from Team Alpha Male since Cody Garbrandt versus Dominic Cruz. Um, honestly, if he comes out here and he gets a, a dominant win over Chris Gutierrez, I think that he can put himself right along the line to call for a title shot. I think he's going to have to do the right things on the microphone after the fight, obviously, because that's a big part of this whole thing. Um, but I truly think that if he is able to come out there, get a dominant win, and then call for either the champion or at the very least a number one contender shot, it doesn't make sense for him to not get it, folks. He's he's done the work, and he's going to continue to do the work by the looks of things. What do you think, Nano? Yeah, I agree. I mean, if he could go out there and beat El Guapo in dominant fashion, I'd love to see him call out for a title shot. May not get it, but you'd love to hear it. Honestly, I think you settle with a Corey Sanhagen too, and that is the true number one contender shot, in my opinion. It was stopped, but it was a doctor stoppage, and you can make a case, man. I mean, you play the you play the highlights of that leading up to that card, and people are going to think, wow, that was a slugfest. I can't wait to see that again for the true number one contender. Um spot let's call it after obviously marlin and uh sugar sean square off here at 299 mad max meridian in the chat said "Ooh, nice call nano rick sanchez again gotta agree with you there all right good job champ whoa that was cool you know, that was a really good call out for you uh um, has to say even a even a wrong clock is uh right twice a day brother Come on. <laughs> my fucking guy oh you're so funny you got to give yourself more credit than that my guy uh, again, for those of you in the chat, before we continue to chatting away here, we got to point out we are both wearing the matching meat and potato striker shirt. Nano, one more time for the for the listeners. Can you give them a view of the back here? We got the meat and potato fish, Sean Strickland with the no filter shorts on. Let's go. All you have to do to win one of these shirts is as soon as this video finishes, comment on it. Go back and comment on any of the old videos. When you do that, you will be entered for a chance to win these shirts. We are going to pick at least one of you at random. Who knows? It's Christmas almost. We might pick two of you. Who knows? Um, either way, like, comment, subscribe. That's it. Got to be subscribed to the channel. Comment on any video, this one or previous ones. The more you comment, the more chances you'll have to be entered into the actual contest. We're basically going to enter one per comment for people that have liked and subscribed. So like those videos, comment, subscribe. And we'll get you a shirt sent your way, hopefully, whenever you win this thing, baby. Um, man, I'm super, super stoked on this one. I I think Song takes it, like I said. And I have a, uh, some, some pretty solid bets on this one, I think, uh, as far as what I'm going with overall. Um, 
like I said, I have a pretty solid parlay on this one. Uh, I think as far as the the pick on this one, I'm definitely going to do Song Yi Dong, though. I mean, it's hard to pick anybody other than that guy in this one. Uh, I, I just I truly think he has all the tools to get it done. And um, that brings my parlay up to plus 6,549, uh, which means one unit will get you 66.49 units. Hell yeah, let's go. Yeah, and I'm going to put two units on it. There we go, baby. Feeling, feeling pretty solid. I'm going to go ahead and call that one out. So we got Tatsuro Taira, money line at minus 575. It's a lock of the night, guys. I'm going to go ahead and put one unit on that one as well, just for fuck's sake. Um, we got Steve Garcia, money line at plus 215, dog odds. I take it back. Give me that unit back from Tatsuro Taira. I'm putting it on fucking Steve Garcia at plus odds. Let's go, baby. Moving into the next one, we got Kanan Song to win. By TKO, DQ, KO, or submission at plus 275 odds. Fucking sign me up, folks. Um, I'm also going to go ahead and put a half unit on that one individually. That's also on the parlay. We got over 1.5 total rounds for Jung Young Park, the Iron Turtle, coming in against Andre Muniz, who doesn't have a ton of finishing power outside of those early submissions. And I don't think he hits those early submissions on Jung Young Park. So, that's going to go over one and a half rounds, minus 166, rolling on. We got Tim Elliott, Timothy Elliott, the one, the only, accepting this fight on short notice. Uh, we didn't have any other odds other than the money line on this, so I'm just taking flat out at money line, minus 130, slight favorite there. Um, almost got him at, at break even odds, and we'll fucking take it because Tim Elliott over just about anybody, I'll lose money on any day of the week happily with a smile on my face. And over Sumo Darji, fuck it, why not? Love that guy, but I just think he lose this one, so I'm going to fade him. Easy under 2.5 on the next one for Anthony Smith coming in against Khalil Roundtree Jr. One of these guys is an absolute finisher. One of these guys is someone who absolutely gets finished. So I'm going to go with the guy who typically gets finished here, and that is going to be the one, the only under 2.5. I'm going with Anthony Smith here, obviously. Just kidding. I'm going with Khalil Roundtree. I know he's going to get it done, but I don't feel confident enough in him not making the mistake early on and getting submitted, unlike Jun Young Park against Andre Muniz. So, for that reason, you know, we had to take the under 2.5 on that one. And in the last, but certainly not least, folks, uh, we had to go ahead and take Sound. You down. You down, Sound. Depending on which country you're in. They say it differently there. Uh, some places pronounce the first name first, uh, last name second. Some places do it opposite. Either way, that gets you up to plus 6,549 on those mother effing odds, folks. Um, you know what that means, right? That means one unit is going to get you 64.9. Um, or sorry, 66.49. Jesus Christ, my math is terrible right now. But it's okay. Because either way, I'm putting two units on that bad boy. I think it hits. And if it does, it's going to be a fun time. Um, you know what I'm saying? This is going to pay for International Fight Week for us. So that's my picks. Nano, did you have a, did you have a parlay or a, or a bet lined up of any, any kind today? Nothing that is top of mind. Honestly, one that was sticking out to me. Um it, I mean, honestly, Yadong Song, I'm hiking to chase that as well. I think it was the Yadong Song by TKO or Submission is 
by submission or TKO plus 110. I feel like it's pretty good odds. I'm going to lean there and just assume Yadonk Song finds a way to get it done. Um, That's, oh man, that's probably the sexiest one. I did like the Steve Garcia versus Mel Kizael uh, alternate my, um, under two and a half. Like, I just think someone's going to get finished in that fight. Uh, that was minus 225. Decent odds. Maybe, you know, come together. I might put a little car together, but those are the only ones that are sticking out to me here, brother. And I like a lot. I like a lot of the ones on your parlay as well. Absolutely, brother. Uh, love that. I mean, there's there's not a, like a, a ton of like crazy solid stuff to sprinkle on in this uh, fight card. If I'm being honest, I think if if we're gonna call a spade a spade here, as we usually like to do. Um, we're all just kind of holding our breath and waiting for the next week. Um, this is a fantastic fight card. It's a free fight card. Zero complaints for me. But Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington, Alessandra Pantoja versus Brandon Raldog Royval, Shafkat Rachmanov versus Steven Thompson, Tony Ferguson oh versus Patty Pemblet, Vicente oh. Luque versus Ian Gary. Oh my God. Uh, Josh Emmett and Bryce Mitchell. That's a fun fucking matchup. Irene Aldana, Carol Rosa. Like, the list comes up. We got Cody Garbrand on this fucking yeah, fight card, Mitchell folks. Bryce stepping in there on late notice? Come on, baby. Good God, dude. Like, I'm... <sighs> I can spend the so next four many. hours going over this card tonight and go over it again in fucking five days. Like, it's so good. Oh, man, it's I can't wait. It's such a good end-of-the-year card. And then they keep announcing stuff for UFC 288 and 299. And, like, I like the fight fan in me is stoked because, like, they're announcing all these great fights. And I'm just like, this is fantastic. I look forward to this. But like the person in me that knows we're all going to go to National Fight Week is like, can you maybe not announce this many names for 288 and 299 and 300? Because like, who the fuck are you going to have for July that isn't injured? That's true. <laughs> That's my one concern with this whole thing, man. Like, I, I, gosh, with 300 coming up, I just feel like they're stacking everything to the brim. Yeah. Like on the oh, early yeah. prelims, we got Alonzo Minifield versus Justin uh, Dustin Jacoby and Andre Philly versus Lucas Almeida. Like those two are solid as hell. We got Randy Rudeboy Brown versus Muslim Solikov on starting off the early prelims on 295 or 296. That's insane. Bonkers. It's insane. Bonkers. Dude. Can't that wait, card is, um, Can't wait to break it down with you. Yeah, that's definitely going to be one of those cards that I think more than lives up to the hype. Um, I, for one, am super stoked on that one. I'm actually super stoked on this one, too, guys. We got three cards here, guys. Three cards. Three heavy hitters. Got that one Muay Thai card tomorrow. We got the PFL card tomorrow. Those two are going head-to-head. -head. And they've got the UFC fighting for supremacy, which is not even a battle, folks. You know they're going to take it. Um, I love one championship. I also love PFL. I think that they are battling for a second-place spot. Um, and if I'm the UFC, that feels really fucking good knowing that everyone else is battling for second place. Once there's a definitive second place and it's not even a discussion of that, then the UFC might start to sweat bullets three years later. Maybe. I, I'm, again, like being real, like I want to see PFL or one championship succeed because I think they both have great um, business styles. They treat their fighters well. Uh, you know, hearing that uh, the UFC made 20 plus million dollars per event from... Uh, United uh, Emirates, whenever they went there, 
Oh, wow. Yeah, when they went to Yas Island, they got paid 20 plus million dollars per event for an event holding fee from them. Jeez. And they still are paying fighters 12,000 and 12,000. Interesting. Yeah. When you have people that you've never heard of and I've never heard of as much of a diehard as I am that are making a million dollars tomorrow night in PFL. Yeah. That's. And Dano kind of like always hints at, you know, some of the logistics or some of the fake news out there or even just people that are basically throwing away money to try to put these fights together or it's tough, man. It's a, it's a, it's a tough business. I, it's extremely hard. And you know, it's, it's weird too. Cause it's like, well, from a production standpoint, obviously like it, it's probably harder when you have the bigger venues or things like that, but ticket sales or prices of these events, like, I don't know. It's like, do you charge more? Do you maybe charge less, get more people in? Like I don't, there's so much to it, man. It's where the locations like, it's also really funny that like, so just because you mentioned, do you charge more? Do you charge less to get more people in, etc.? You charge more because at the end of the day, if it's a fight that you and I know has like our favorite fighter on it, and it might be our last chance to see that person fight live, we're going to pay more than we should pay to go see this fight. And we're going to pay even more than that to have good seats at it. And they know that it's almost like medicine to the fan. They know that if you're hurt, you're going to buy the medicine. So they can price it at whatever they want. If you're a fan, they know you need it. You're going to come no matter what the price is. That's why Dana White is able to report every single year. I don't know if you noticed this, but he reports almost every single year on, uh, we had the highest gate uh, for any event this year, blah, blah, blah. It was yeah, this. Madison Square Garden. Yeah, Madison top, Square Garden beat yeah. Conor McGregor. Like, Do you know why he's beating the Conor McGregor events? Because people are paying twice as much for the tickets nowadays. Yes, you're going to have a higher gate, when people are paying more per seat, you can sell half the seats and still outdo your gate from three years ago. If you are now charging more than twice as much for your cage side tickets alone, because your celebrities are going to buy those out. Yeah, that's true. It's got to be it's a, it's a fact. The premium. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. The reality is like, if any of these organizations had an event in Phoenix, bet your sweet ass I'm there. So fact. There's one in Anaheim in February, and I'm like, Ooh, do I want to go day. there and then go in, in July, like right after International Fight Week? That's a big yeah, double hit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's a big double hit, yeah. Because honestly, like if, if if I go by myself, with the amount that I'll spend on like a decent ticket, if it's a stacked card, you're talking about half the money that you need to go to another country. Yeah. No, it adds a small vacation. Quick. At the same yeah. time, that other country's not going anywhere. Might be our last chance to see Dustin Poirier. You know what I'm saying? It depends on who's on the card. You feel me? If they announce some craziness, you. your boy's going to go to Anaheim. We might need to get crazy. We might need to get a little buck wild then. Saying if, if they're putting some crazy people on that Anaheim card, your boy's going to say quack, quack. You know and I'll say gobble, Ducks gobble, reference. baby. Come on. Come on. I'll say quack, quack, and he'll be like. <laughs> <laughs> you love to see it. You love to see it, baby. Um, awesome, guys. Well, we appreciate every single one of you guys for uh, sticking it through, hanging out with us while we break down these three cards, or at the very least, our favorite fights from these cards and uh, our picks from these cards. So we could go on all night. And uh, if it were up to me and I didn't have work tomorrow and I knew that the Jive Turkey here to my uh, technically my left, your right, didn't have work tomorrow. Boy, let me tell you, we'd be going all night, folks. But that's just simply not the case. So we're going to give you guys a couple hours to get some rest here. And uh 
Hopefully we all cash on these bets. And if you're new here, if you're returning, either way, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, smash that bell for notifications. Go comment on the old videos, like the old videos if you want to be entered into a contest to win one of these meat and potato shirts. We have them in multiple versions. You can get the t-shirt version, you can get the tank top version, which is literally to my right right now. Um, either way, we want to make sure that we're hooking you guys up with some merch. Super easy to enter the contest. Um, most of you guys are already doing it anyways. Let's freaking go. And until the next episode, keep on going. Keep on growing, folks. You've been listening to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA. And our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.